You are now tuned into the Boxing Bros. As you can see, we're missing two bros. Ned's on his way. Trill can lock in today. I'm Caden, the Prince of Pugilism, and I'm here with uh, my co-host. This is G, Ned's dad. I'm so sorry my son was a little busy, but he's on his way. Have faith. <laughs> he's in timeout right now. He's going to be <laughs> let loose soon. All right, so the first topic we're going to discuss on Boxing Bros is our reaction to Benavidez versus uh, Davis. And so, Conspiracy G, man, you've been high on David Benavidez. This has been your dude. So what's your reaction to the fight? I thought he did good, man. But I'll say this. I don't want to hate on Davis. Once I found out he took the fight two weeks notice, I was like, oh, man, why'd you do that to yourself? You know, and it kind of reminded me of when Big Former Miller got busted. AJ was like, hey, uh, uh, Dillian, you want to take this fight? And Dillian said, hell no. He was like, oh, too short notice, right? And everyone was hating on Dillian for the moment. But I'm like, this is an example why you don't take a last-minute fight with uh, champion-like or elite fighters, right? Davis just had nothing. I, I don't even know if an additional four weeks preparation would have even made a difference. But nonetheless, knowing that he only he took the fight in two weeks' notice, it showed. Yo, Benavidez, man, was teeing off on this kid. It, it was just bad, man. And I, was, I had, actually had more beef with his corner. Like, his trainer was just violent. That was, there was one round that I was like, man, this got to be an 8-10 round. He, <laughs> he had nothing. He gets back to his corner. The trainer literally said, yo, can you give me one more round? I said, fam, you didn't just see this dude get butchered in the room. <laughs> yo, I'm really like, me and Stretch. That was the round before the stoppage. Exactly. And I was like, bro, what's wrong with you? I'm like, yo, ref, please do your job. man. I, in my mind, I was like, you can't even rely on this corner. Ref, you got to stop it. But luckily, they threw in the towel, man. But if you notice in David Benavides' eyes, when the towel came in, yo, he still had killer instinct. Like, he still had killer mode in his eyes. And he had, he kind of had to, like, catch himself. And then he calmed down. And I was like, yo, this dude really wants blood, man. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it was a good fight. It was a one-sided fight, but it was still entertaining nonetheless. And so I know in the next topic, the, the million-dollar question is about to be asked. So I'll pass it to you. Uh, yeah, you know, I think Benavidez did well. And I know some people were feeling like he should wash the guy, but um, Davis was a live dog and then Davis came to win. He came to be competitive and you saw that he took a lot of punishment because he had pride and he'd never been stopped. And you can tell that was his thing. He never wanted to be stopped. So um, even when he went to the corner, you can see him telling the corner, don't stop it. But you can just see from his body language that he was taking a lot of punishment and he was hurt. But I mean, I was impressed with Davis. He fought back. Um, he did the best he could. But at the end of the day, Benavides was too big, too skilled, and he was just breaking him down round by round because eventually he knew he was going to get him out of there. And that's how Benavides wins anyway. Mm -hmm. um, if you look at Benavides' victory over Anthony Durrell, Durrell started off well. He started off winning rounds, but what Benavides did was he broke him down round by round, round by round. Um, and it's similar. And then if you look at Davis and Durrell, they actually had they fought one another, and I believe they had a draw. Um, so you can see it's kind of similar. What Benavidez does is he breaks people down round by round. He's very talented, very skilled. He has the speed. He has power, not one punch knockout power, but he can overwhelm you with activity. And if he lands enough punches, he can get you out of there. And so that's what you saw from David Benavidez. He looked good. Unfortunately, he didn't make weight again. So that's that continues to be an issue. 
Um, David Benavides, 24 years old. You look at him. It looks like he has a very high ceiling, probably one of the best prospects in the game. The issue is his commitment. Will he be able to make weight? Now, remember, he lost his belt on the scale. Because if he doesn't lose his belt on the scale, then we're talking about, you know, him being in play for Canelo to even have to become undisputed. Now Canelo's undisputed and he's on the outside looking in. So he lost his belt twice, bro. You forgot the you know what I'm saying? I'm saying, hey, listen, man, I don't want to I'm just saying I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, you know, I want I I want my man to move past that. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, I don't, I don't want my man Benavidez to be uh, his mistake. So I want him to move past that. So I don't even want to, I don't even want to bring that up anymore. Uh, I just want to let him be moving forward. Hopefully Benavidez can continue to grow and continue to do the right things and and dedicate himself to the sport because he may be the next big thing. And we're going to get into that in the next topic. All right. Thank you for watching. I'm oh, sorry. What you say? I say he's way better than his brother. Golly, man. <laughs> uh, no man, comment. Yo, his brother trashed Sean Porter, by the way. I don't know if you saw it in a press conference. Not even. What? Yeah, his bro- uh, Sean Porter made a comment about uh, Jose Benavidez, basically said that uh, he could. He said Jose Benavidez was TC's toughest fight. And he said he could do everything Jose Benavidez can do, but better. I mean, it's true. And, and so Jose Benavidez said, what makes you think you're better than me? What makes you think you could do things better than me? He said, you're nothing special. So then he so he picked TC to beat uh, Sean Porter. And then he said, and after TC beats you, then you could come fight me. That's what Jose Benavidez said to Sean Porter. So, hey, 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 you know <laughs> The next topic we're going to discuss on Boxing Bros is, is David Benavidez ready for Canelo? He heard talks about it after the fight. People came up to him saying, are you ready for Canelo? He says he's ready for Canelo. Uh, people bring up the fact, or people brought up the fact to Benavidez that everyone says he has the best chance of beating Canelo. With that aside, G, do you actually think that David Benavidez is ready for Canelo Alvarez? I mean, I'll say this. He's ready as he's ever been. But based off of the performance last night, yeah, he threw a lot of combinations, but he's defensively, he's flawed. And my fear for Benavidez against a guy like Canelo is Canelo is a sound counterpuncher. He's going to get caught, you know, like his defense isn't, it's just, it's just poor, you know? And so like, you know, I want Benavidez to win, but I don't know, man. I don't, I don't think he's going to win, but I don't think he's going to improve that much either. So it just is what it is, right? It's like Canelo who has like, like I think Canelo's power is more than Benavidez, but Benavidez lets his hands go. So it's entertaining, but Canelo's just too smart in that ring, man. The way he sets up the counters, I think, you know, when Canelo plants his feet and he lets that, that uppercut go, that hook go, I don't know if Benavidez could eat too many of those. And Davis last night, surprisingly, although Davis was getting mopped, he always connected, you know, with a counter shot. And so I'm like, oh, man, David, man, you can't do this against a Canelo, bro. So that's now I'm like, I'm, I'm nervous for him. But nonetheless, I, I don't think he's going to improve any much more. Like, I mean, well, the fights could prep him for a Canelo. So to me, it's just, yo, just go for it, man. If you win, you win. If you lose, you lose. If you die, you die. You know? 
No, what if you die, you die. Come on, man. <laughs> no. Yeah, come on, Rocky Force, right? Eh? Nah, man. Um, you know, the thing is, is he ready? Probably not, uh, because he hasn't faced the level of opposition to prepare him. I think there's something more so than just the level of opposition, it's going through the cycle, the preparation of being a main attraction for a pay-per-view fight. That within itself is a learning experience. It's like those teams that make it to the World Cup or the Super Bowl, the World Series, and they get caught up in the moment and they do certain things and then they don't perform the best on the field. So you need to go through that. And I feel like he's not prepared. You know, uh, if he would have fought Caleb or Caleb and Benavidez would have fought one another before they got into the ring with Canelo, that would have helped. The winner would have been more prepared. Like if his next fight is Jamal Charlo, the winner of that fight would be more prepared and, and have a better chance of being ready for Canelo. But at this particular, what you say, bro? Charlo is P-U, you know what I mean? So <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's what he was. That's what he was saying. Look, boy. If in this and if you throw Benavidez in the ring with Canelo right now, he hasn't fought anyone with the skill set, anyone with the boxing IQ, anyone who's going to bring the type of crowd that Canelo's going to bring. And it's all it's, you're going to ask David Benavidez to put on his best performance to be at his best in the biggest moment of his career against the best fighter he's ever faced. And I feel like that's too much. And I think. A lot of these guys, and we'll get into it a little bit later, they're not even confident that, that they're on that level. They're still trying to assure themselves that they're on that level. You need to go into that ring knowing that you're on that level. You need to go into that ring knowing that you belong there. And I feel like these guys are going into the ring. They don't even know if they belong. So how can they even win? Yeah. And I think David Benavides is, is, is on that same boat where it's like he has a skill set. He's, he's beating all these guys, but again, they're not Canelo. And again, Canelo's not coming into the ring to lose. Canelo's not taking a fight on two weeks' notice. Canelo's not giving concessions. In fact, you're making the concessions when it comes to Canelo. So is he ready? Probably not. But again, you got to look at it like Canelo. When he was around the same age, he fought Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather schooled him. It made him a better fighter. In the end, maybe... That's what's in store for Benavidez. But do I think he's ready? No. But with that being said, like everyone's been saying, he's probably one of the guys who has the best chance because of his skill set. The next topic we're going to discuss on Boxing Bros is our reaction to Munguia versus Rosado, Gabe Rosado. And now we just got word we will be able to get Trill Dollar Bill in here at some point. So at some point we will have everyone. Now, Munguia got a decision over Gabe Rosado, and Gabe was upset and frustrated with the decision. <laughs> to the surprise, to the surprise of everyone. All right, uh, Conspiracy G, what was your reaction to the fight? Well, before I talk about the fight, it was funny Rosado got to know was yo, 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 put on them glasses, put on, give me them big ass glasses so nobody can see the damage on my face. I'm like, <laughs> bro, stop it, man. You know, but but the fight though was great, you know. Another Mexico versus Puerto Rico classic. You know, Munguia, man, this young boy is a problem. He doesn't just throw punches. He throws combinations. He was throwing, like, five punch combinations. And, you know, Rosado, although what, what I like about Rosado is he's always dangerous. So even later rounds like he's done in the past, he can still knock you out. So I was always at the edge of my feet during the, the fight, like, yo, like, 
Okay, you better be safe. And there'd be times he'll get caught by Rosado. And I'm like, oh, man. And it's like certain rounds where I'm like, all right, I'm going to give it to Rosado. Then Munguia does something. Well, I'm going to give it to Munguia. Then Rosado does something. So it was like good. It was a great fight. But the, the problem with Rosado was, you know, it's like the later rounds, he seemed like he was fading even more. His punches got a lot slower. Like, you know, Munguia, even though he looked exhausted, every time he got to a stool, like he he was looking like, oh, man, this might be his last round. I don't know. But when he when the bell rang, he went back to the combinations, back to movement. It looked like in the ring, like while, while the, the fight was going on within those three minutes, it looked like he wasn't fading. After once the bell rings, he goes to his corner, he's looking like he's exhausted. So I'm like, oh, man, yo, Rosado, this is your moment. This is your moment. This is your chance. But it wasn't working. And come to find out, Rosado looked more exhausted than Munguia during the fight. Like in the later rounds, his 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 uh, the straight right hand was slow. His hooks were slow. I was just like, oh, man. So it was like you could tell Rosado was like relying on like a – it was almost like a wildest situation where it's like you're exhausted and you're like, hey, if I land this right hand, I'm back in it. But – it just it just fell short, but regardless, great fight, highly entertaining. People were like, you can see the audience was standing to their feet, you know. So then Mangia, man, that, that's a that's a good. Uh, he has a bright future in boxing. Yeah, Mangia, he looked improved. Now he has uh, the legendary Eric Morales in his corner as his trainer now, and it looks like it's paying dividends where he looked more under control. He did take some shots from Gabe Rosado and he also showed a great chin because he was able to take those shots, still stay in the fight and also land punches of his own. And you're right. It looked like he was going to fade. And in many ways, I think that was Gabe's plan to get him into the later rounds. And when he fades, take control. But what happened was Munguia kept a consistent body attack on Gabe and Gabe, never really had a body attack for Munguia. And so to me, I couldn't understand what he was doing because Munguia is a high-activity fighter anyway. He's he's active. Um, he throws a lot of punches per round. So I don't know what Gabe was thinking. You want him to gas out, but you got to help him gas out. You got to throw punches to the body, and, and he wasn't doing that. It was like he was just looking for the counter. And he landed a lot of good counters on Munguia, but Munguia was able to walk through him. And Gabe isn't really known as a one-punch knockout guy. Um, I think if you look at you know all the fights he's had, he doesn't have a very high KO percentage. He has power, but again, the way he was fighting was as if you know he was a guy with a ninety percent uh, KO ratio. And I think Munguia was faster. Munguia had better combination punching. Um, the thing with Munguia was he did get hit with a lot of clean counters. And, you know, for, for me, that was troublesome and worrisome. But overall, I think McGill looked good. Um, he beat Gabe a lot easily and a lot easier than other fighters like, say, uh, Danny Jacobs. <laughs> so um, that's a testament to him. Maybe even give Munguia Danny Jacobs next. And, and let's see what he does with uh, Danny Jacobs. But we'll get into uh, Munguia in a second. But I was impressed with Munguia. I think Rosado had his last hurrah, in my opinion. Uh, but who knows? He did well enough to get another fight against a, another young up-and-coming contender. You know, he's, he proved he's still a live, a live dog and a live gatekeeper. But Yeah, so I was about to ask that question. Do you think Rosado is officially now a gatekeeper? 
Because I officially think now, yeah, I think he's been one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I mean, you gotta to be a gatekeeper. People, you know, gatekeeper gets a bad rep, right? Like, yeah. uh, but that just means that if you're mediocre, you can't beat me. If you beat me, that means you may be ready for the top tier. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If Rosado beat Munguia, that would put Rosado set up for a possible Charlo or Boo Boo fight. So I was like, you know, can you still be a gatekeeper if you get a, a shot at a champion? You know what I mean? But after you got beat up by Prospect, I think, yeah, it's official, bro. You're a gatekeeper now, you know? Oh, well, I mean, he had, he's had a title shot before. Mm-hmm. Um, so has Derek Chisora. I mean – I think basically when you say like someone's a gatekeeper, it means that like they never really reach the pinnacle, mm-hmm. but they beat, they get big wins, you know, and they, and they beat the prospects. Like if you're a prospect or you're an up and comer and you want to know whether this person's ready for the elite, you give them the game. Yeah. yeah. So, you know. The next topic we're going to discuss on Boxing Bros is what determines fight of the year, and G's going to lay the foundation for this one. Yeah, so after the Munguia Rosado fight, Clarissa Shields gave her input on the fight. So let me just share my screen real quick. Now, Clarissa writes, this why they don't like me. I'm not going to play rock'em sock'em robots in a boxing match. I dominate, but everyone wants to see the back and forth. It's exciting for people watching, but not the fighters. And she uh, reshared this uh, round-by-round boxing uh, post. It says, ring announcer after Magia Rosado, quote, this without a doubt fight of the year, end quote. And it says, huh? Question mark. <laughs> so the question is, what did to, oh, hold on, hold on. Oh, man. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What's up? What's up? You know what it is. What up, world? Yo, you know what? He must have known we were talking about Clarissa. <laughs> he must have known we were talking about you know, Clarissa. I had, I had that tingling feeling, yo. You know that. <laughs> tingling, yo. Uh, but anyways, so the question is, what determines fight of the year? I guess, uh, should I just start? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, G. You go right, get so it to, to me, and to me, I kind of felt low-key that Clarissa was being too harsh, you know, um, because I feel like fighting it doesn't necessarily mean like it's a one-sided fight or like two gentlemen that are like highly skilled, right? I think what it is, it's like uh as a I guess it's like a combination of things, right? It's like a jambalaya type of soup. It has to have several ingredients, right? You gotta have the fear of a knockout, right? by both gentlemen you gotta have uh like two styles that blend well with one another just in this action it has it can't be boring it has to be like action-packed like for example like you know the argument is tyson fury and uh, deontay wilder the trilogy is arguably fight of the year right now let's just be real tyson fury is obviously way more skilled than wilder but wilder always had that right hand that kept them in there so everyone's like oh man like when you think Wilder's done, next thing you know, he lands that right hand, Fury goes down. You know, so it keeps the excitement, and he has an equalizer in that fight. When you look at Munguia versus Rosado, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, damn, like, is going in, throwing combinations, doing all kind of stuff, but then Rosado would just always catch him. Like, now, surprisingly, both gentlemen never dropped, right, during that fight, and they, they kept connecting, right? But Munguia more so than Rosado, 
But nonetheless, you know, you're thinking, yo, Rosado at any time could drop McGill with a shot. Yo, if he lands that right hand, he might go down. And so I think that's what builds the the, the concept of fight of the year. It's two styles that complement one another in the ring. There's a high level of threat, you know what I mean? Meaning somebody could get knocked out at any moment. And that's what people want to see. You know, it's just like this fight was electrifying. It was exciting. Other fights, sometimes like it can be like, let's say like a Floyd fight, right? Floyd spectacular. I remember Floyd versus Pacquiao. It was one-sided. You know what I mean? Everyone's expecting Pacquiao to do the most. Pacquiao did the least. You know what I mean? So it's just like, yeah, this is a great performance. Hey, I don't want, I'm not with G. Well, not. Nah, I am not with G. <laughs> I'm just saying, remember, Pacquiao said, oh, because of my shoulder. You know what I mean? That's why his performance was suspect. All I'm saying is, no one made an argument saying that was fight of the year. People were like, yo, that was a mega fight. But although uh, Floyd's uh, performance was spectacular, there was no real threat from Pacquiao. So that a uh, fight like that wouldn't be classified as fight of the year. It has to be where two two um, fighters at any moment can like violate one another, right? That's why the 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 um, Mayweather versus Pacquiao just wasn't fight of the year. But a fight like Fury and Wilder or Munguia versus Rosado could be arguably fight of the year because they have those ingredients that people want to see, especially for casuals. All right, so I'm going to go in and I'll, I'll throw you in, Ned. Basically, Ned, your girl Carissa Shields is critiquing the fight that happened last night, said that they were just exchanging rock you know, heavy punches. They were like rock'em, sock'em robots. Here's the thing, man. Um, it's like categories, for example, right? Um, you know, with movies, there's like, you know, best screenplay or, you know, mm-hmm. best actor, best plot or stuff like that. Um, when you talk about fight of the year, it's more about the action. It's about were people entertained? Were they on the edge of their seat? Um, typically it's a back and forth type of fight. Um, I feel like Munguia versus Rosado was too one-sided to be fight of the year. So in order for a fight to be fight of the year, in my opinion, <clears throat> I have to be unsure of who's going to win. Mm-hmm. So I have to be like thinking, man, man, Munguia is about to get him. And then bang, Gabe just comes on. And then it's like, oh, man. And now I'm, I'm really sitting there like, yo, who's going to win this fight? Um, like I remember I was at um, the first fight between Andre Berto and Victor Ortiz. And to me, that was that was fight of the year. And it did win fight of the year. Uh, it happened in Foxwoods in Connecticut. And I was at the fight. And I just remember thinking, like, oh, man, like, this is it. Berto got him. And then, whoop, and then again. And then I'm just sitting there, and I'm looking at the crowd, and it's just like a different type of feeling. It doesn't have to be the most skilled fight. It wasn't like Floyd Mayweather was in that ring. But what I was seeing was entertaining. What I was watching was riveting. What I was watching was like, oh, my God, like, yo, I'm really here right now looking at this fight. And that's the type of feeling. You know, it's like bang for your buck. Like, I didn't feel robbed when I left that fight. I felt like, man, that, that I got my money's worth. That's what I felt like. And the people who watch Munguia versus Rosado, they're like, man, like, yo, I was at that fight. Like, you know, they may even keep the ticket and be like, yo, 
I was at that fight. Mm -hmm. So you got to think of it like this, Clarissa. Look at the announcers. Look at like Todd Gresham and uh, Sergio Martinez. And look at these guys do fights every week. So for them to actually say a fight may be fight of the year, that means they had to actually feel like they won at work. Mm -hmm. Like, man, like, dude, this was a good fight. Like, I know that I'm at work, but I actually enjoyed watching this fight. Because some fights are so boring, you know you're at work. <laughs> some fights are so boring, people feel robbed after they watch it. Like Jose Benavidez. <laughs> like Jose Benavidez. And so my thing with uh, Clarissa is like, you don't do yourself any favors by saying that. It's like rock'em, sock'em, robots. This is boxing at the end of the day. And what happens when you have two skilled fighters in the ring is they find ways to put gloves on each other. Like Magia was going in for the kill and Rosado was uh, countering. And hopefully when you fight Savannah, you may, you may want to blow her out. But if she's worth her weight, if she's any good, if she's as good, she's going to find a way to put gloves on you and force you to have to overcome. That's what makes a great fight. And and I'll finish and then I'll throw it to you, Ned. It's like Wilder and Fury. I believed Fury was going to win the entire time. But that fourth round, I didn't know who was going to win. That fourth round, I didn't know if Fury was going to get up. That's what makes a great fight. Fury gets up, and now they're going back and forth. Do I think that fight was as skilled as Usyk Joshua? No, mm -hmm. I do not. I do not. But for the most part, when I watched Usyk Joshua, I had a feeling Usyk was getting was was it was swinging Usyk's way. I had a feeling it was a good fight. When I was watching Fury and and Wilder, even when it was ninth round and Wilder was exhausted. I knew all it took was one, and that was exciting. Again, it's not always about skill. It's not rock and soccer robot. It's about bang for your buck, value, entertainment, how engaged. Like people, like yo, did you see that type of moment? You'll know when you have it yourself. All right, go ahead, uh, Ned. The TBE. Uh, I have fear break, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go any anyway. But um. Fight of the year, what the term is fight of the year? It's when hype meets expectations. Like when you get it's hyped up to be some great fight, and then when you watch it, it, it it's everything they say it was. And I'm gonna say this. I agree with Caden. That Wilder Fury fight, I, I expect the um Fury to knock him out, go run through Wilder like he did in the second fight, and expose him for who he is. But Wilder showed a lot of heart and and and, and um determination that we saw a different side. We saw a different Wilder than we saw in his career. Like, this Wilder was impressive. But then again, I'm not, I, I, I'm going to say this. This is my fight of the year. That, that is my fight of the year, is Deontay versus Fury, because it was a belt on the line. It was heavyweights. It was a big fight. It was a, it was a, it was a, 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 a fight that could end someone's career. And Wilder redeemed his um career from that from his um performance in that fight, but what determines uh fight of the year? I gotta say height, uh belts, 
uh, elite top. Who's fighting? This can't be just two Joe Smoles um trying to build up their name. No, I disagree with that, man. <laughs> I'm just saying. I disagree with that. We don't know. We don't know him. They two Joe Smoles. I can't. <laughs> it was great. I'm not it saying, was the best fight I ever seen. I'm not two saying. Joe Smoles. So it can't be. <laughs> no, I'm just saying it can't be like uh, a, a, a bar. Like like what is it? it can't be something. Zapata, Zapata, I can't remember the other guy's name. They got fight of the year. They weren't like um as renowned as say Fury, whatever. But their fight was 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 magnificent. Yeah. If you that, if you go watch it, true. But that means there's the fights that were like hyped up didn't meet our expectations. Like it was like oh he he, he fought a bum, or the guy that they put in was food. You know when they shipping food, it, it, it's like it's never fight of the year. It can't. It, it doesn't. It's like uh we know who's gonna win. We're rooting for the winner. But when it's like it's unknown, like a couple years ago, fight of the year, uh, when Ruiz knocked out Joshua, I say that was fight of the year because Ruiz shocked the world. We didn't expect that. And Ruiz, it was a battle. Yeah, fight of the year, upset of the year. You see upset. what I'm saying? It's categories. Both. Both. Yeah, like, like he, he got all the belts. <laughs> he put off Mexico, everything. Um, another one I could think of. One one fight that should what could have been a uh, 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 fight of the year if it didn't end, uh, was Brian Castano versus Jamal Charlo, and that ended dry in part two. It's gonna be amazing. Uh, we don't know what's gonna come from that fight, but uh, what the Terrence fighter here is um, everything like the status of the fighters, where they rank, their belts, their um, their their every everything. It's just it's just all of those that mix into the, all the ingredients, like you said comes together and that will if the hype meets the expectation when the hype meets the expectation is fight of the year it's like i could i, I could talk about this if i face centuries yeah. i mean net i'm not disagreeing with you per se one thing is i don't think hype needs to be a factor because you could have like a fight where you're not even thinking this is gonna happen and True. it just shocks you it's just a, a surprise like okay these guys may not even have a belt but they put in their heart and soul into each punch for True. 12 rounds. You're like, you got to give these guys but that. The hype gets, gets the audience. When the audience comes and they see something that's lackluster, they'll be like, ah, ah, it's my money. Me on this. Couldn't the audience, right, fall in love with those fighters once they once that bell rings? You know what I mean? It could be like, yo, oh, they, these guys about to fight. I'm about to go get a beer or something. But when you come back, you're seeing these guys going blow for blow, pause. But you know, like exchanging, <laughs> yo, it's like a, a high level of threat. You're like, yo, these yes. might kill each other. Like, you yes. know, like what, what I'm saying is, up, if it's gotta be like, oh, okay, this is this is arguably at least a contender for fight of the year. What, so what I'm saying is, like, say a fight on Fox, the like the first undercard, the first the first undercard fight, it's it's an amazing fight, but not everybody's there to see it. So it's like, it's if a tree falls in the woods, do do you hear it? I'm walking with you, Dad. I got you. It. Feel me? It's like you need you need everybody to tune in. You know what I mean? You need everybody to tune in. And when, when, like that's what makes that's what makes makes you a star. Like when you you get you grab the attention that was of the deep, crowd. Man. You deep, man. Oh, man. You know, that's you all I gotta right say. Now, yeah. uh, I'm gonna yeah. say this. I'm gonna say this, yo, Ned. I'm walking with you a little bit. But I, I part ways with you, and I'll, I'll tell you why. I agree with you that when a fight that has a lot of hype meets expectations, it's automatically going to be entered into consideration for fight of the year. That's why I agree with you. 
Well, we part ways is that a fight that doesn't have hype and doesn't have fighters who are, you know, renowned or famous can't be fight of the year. And I'll give you an example. Um, Arturo Thundergaardi and Andre Ward, they weren't the most famous. The fight wasn't the, wasn't the most hype. It was the fact that it was so good. And then they did it again and it was really good. So then they did it again. And it's, it goes down to history is one of the greatest, if not the greatest trilogy of all time. Right. And mm-hmm. so you have to look at it from that perspective and say like, yeah, there are a lot of variables that contribute to a fight being fight of the year. But the main thing I feel like is what happens in the ring. Mm-hmm. Is it riveting? Does it have people on edge of their seats? Are people sitting there like, yo, I can't believe what I'm seeing right now. There has to be some shock value. There has to be some uh, doubts as to who's going to win at some point. You just have to be sitting there. It has to be like the drama that only real life circumstances, unscripted, you know, everyone like you see Eddie, you see like Eddie Hearn, uh, at, not, not Eddie Hearn, but in the Fury fight, you see uh, Bob Arum one minute like, yeah, we got it. You see Frank Warren and in the next minute you see them like, oh, my God, like that's that's fight of the year type stuff to me. And, and that can happen regardless of who the combatants are, in my opinion. But I will say this. This is where I, I'm, I'm leaning towards Ned now. When I think about it, the hype should be a determining factor. If, let's say, there's like a mean draw, right? You're like, like let's say uh, Rosario, Mungia, uh, Wilder Fury. If there's really like a debate, then I think hype has to be like the, the final, like make a break of who actually gets fight of the year. You know what I mean? Because more people have seen Fury versus uh, Wilder as opposed to Magia versus Rosado. I think hype is always going to sway it mm-hmm. because for me, I feel like it's always more difficult to live up to the hype. Mm-hmm. I think like it's to be an unexpected great fight where, where no one had any expectations. But when going in, everyone's like, oh, man, this is going to be a great fight and it live up to the hype. I think that like that is always going to be rewarded. So I think we agree on that. The next topic we're going to discuss on Boxing Bros is is Howie Mungia ready for Triple G, Jamal Charlo, and Demetrius Andre. But before we do that, on the last segment, it closed with Kaspira G saying that he was GQG. And so now we have a new name for Kaspira G. It's Jidris Alba. <laughs> <laughs> Kaspira G, a.k.a. Jidris Alba. <laughs> so I, I'm turning it over to my man Jidris Alba. Uh, what what uh, what do you think? Do you think Howie Mungia is ready for Triple G, Canelo, and Demetrius Andrade? All right. Triple G, yes. Reason why Triple G is kind of inactive. He's older. So I think Mungia's speed, you know, and activity will, at this point in Triple G's career, it, it may push him towards a victory. Charlo, I'm not too sure, but I like his style against Charlo. I just feel like Charlo's more active, and you know what? He's I think he is ready for these guys. It's just is he going to win? I guess that's my uh, real question. Boo Boo, I think is going to be a little tricky for him in the beginning rounds, but you know what we know about Andre is his power fades, man. So Andre has a a good chance in the beginning first rounds, couple of rounds. He'll probably, you know, hit um, uh, Jami with some good hits. 
But then as the rounds go, man, I think Munguia has a better chance of uh, knocking out Boo Boo. So he has the skill sets and the capability to beat all three gentlemen. It's just, you know, it's other factors. Experience, you know, if they hit him with like a mean shot. And these guys aren't Rosado. So, like, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna put some things on him. So, like, Triple G, I think out of the three, he hits the hardest, right? So that would be probably a problem for Munguia. But I think McGee is faster than Triple G, so that could work to his advantage. Charlo, I think, is like he's more the he's well rounded. Like he he knows how to box and he has hard hitting shots. I think that would probably be uh, McGee's most difficult uh, fight. Ubu is just a tricky fighter that I think um, McGee and most fighters going to need a couple of rounds to process to figure him out. So, but I still think McGee could pull off the victory, but. Andre would be the type of guy to, to you know, get that victory as well. So, is he ready for all three gentlemen? Yes, per se. But these are going to be difficult victories for him to pull off, nonetheless. All right, Ned the TVE. All right, is he ready for all three? No, but is he ready for one of the three? Yes. And I'm gonna go with G G G Triple G. G, <laughs> and you know, I, and you know, no shots at G, but you know, it's a okay. single G. It's okay, single G, single. He's ready for single G, double G, and triple G. That's oh, all I'm gonna say. I don't like how that sounded. He ready double for G. G, double G, and triple G. <laughs> <laughs> yo, this is what the question asks. Yo. I, I don't like I the way that sounded either. Now that you break it down, pause, pause, man. I rephrase the question, but you know, I feel Charlo Andrade. I just like it's it's just a chat. Like one more, one or two more fights of uh, against like not high tier but second tier competition will make me know if he's ready for these guys. But you know, I think it should go. And if he was to fight these guys, it'll be Triple G first, then a couple of tune ups, a couple of mid tier guys, then Andrade because Andrade. Still has yet to prove me anything, and then Charlo, and then that's that's how I see the order going, cause these are killers. <laughs> I'm sorry, these are killers. These just bang with the best, and you know, I'm a, a young cat, and I just don't want the experience to outlaw. I, I um, want, I don't want your skill to underestimate their experience and their skills. So that's that's how I see it. But I, if anybody was to fight off this list first, it's Triple G, cause he's the oldest. And, you know, with age comes deterioration, and that's it. To answer this question flat out, uh, my answer is yes. I think each fighter brings a different set of risk. So um, it's really about what do you think Munguia is best equipped to deal with? I think Triple G has slowed down in his old age, but he's the hardest hitter on the list. He's the most experienced. He's been in the bigger fights. So you look at his fight with Canelo. Um, was a big time pay-per-view fight uh and it and it did 1.1 million pay-per-view buys i believe that was the second fight so he's been on the big stage before he's experienced triple g brings a wealth of boxing iq into the ring people don't realize how smart triple g is i watch triple g fight the way he sets up punches he doesn't just go in there like triple g sets you up and so um I saw that Rosado was able to set some traps for Munguia. 
just imagine if G connects on a, on a, on a trap that he set up for Magia and he lands some of those clean shots that Gabe landed, I think he'd finish Magia. So although I think he's ready, I think he'll take rounds. I think he'll be a tough task for Triple G, but it wouldn't surprise me if Triple G got him out of there um, because Triple G is very intelligent um, and he sets a lot of traps and people don't recognize that about Triple G. With Canelo, um, I think Canelo <clears throat> has the complete package, really. The thing with Canelo is, is he focused? Where's his mind at? Is he taking the fight seriously? Is he going to be stable during the fight? I, I don't know the I don't know the answer to any of these things. Canelo or Charlo? Oh, Charlo, I'm sorry. <clears throat> I meant Charlo. Excuse me. I was like, what? <laughs> My bad. Everything I said, I meant Charlo. Uh, yeah, Charlo. I don't know when it comes to Charlo. You never know what Charlo you're going to get, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, it's one of those deals where if Charlo comes in and he's focused, and he's on his game. I think McGee is in for a really tough fight. And um, Charlo, Charlo has the speed to match him. He has the power. Like I said, Charlo is the complete package. He has good footwork. He has it all. But again, his mindset. What what type of Charlo are you going to get? It's to me, Charlo wins or loses his fights in the buildup. He wins and loses his fights in training camp. With is he training hard? Is he doing what he needs to do to give himself the best chance to win? To me, that's where Charlo wins or loses this fight with uh Howie Munguia. But is Munguia ready for him? Yes, because I think if Charlo doesn't come in prepared and he doesn't come in ready, I think Munguia can take them all. Now, this brings me to Demetrius Andre, who's fighting in New Hampshire, by the way, uh, next weekend. Um, we could go if we wanted to, I don't know. I think we should go, man. Let's go. Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. There's still tickets, but I feel like, Eddie, you should give us media passes, Eddie. Eddie, you hear us, Eddie? We (laughs) want the media passes. Yeah, we can go. I mean, it's it's right up the street, so uh, we'll talk about it. Demetrius Andre, to me, Charlo, I feel like at this point in their careers, they should have already had step-up fights, and I feel like for Andre... Munguia would be probably seen as a, a step-up fight at this point. I try to think of Andrade and um, what he's accomplished. And I think Munguia would be the best fighter I've seen him in the ring with in a while. And so beating Munguia would be a statement for him, depending on how he beats Munguia. But again, um, as G pointed out, we've seen Andrade drop dudes early and they look like, yo, it's about to be early night, and somehow they make it to see the bell. Like we've seen them drop them multiple times, and somehow they make it to see the final bell. So um, I think there's some some flaws with uh Andrade, but overall, Andrade has a great skill set. He's difficult to touch, but I feel like lately he's been trying to appease the crowd and go for knockouts and exposing himself to more harm and danger. And I've been seeing uh Andrade get hit more lately. Then I've been accustomed to seeing him get hit. So I don't know if that's, you know, because he's taking risks or because his reflexes are slipping. Time will tell. But um, I think Munguia has a good shot against him. I think all these guys would be favored in a fight against Munguia, but I think he has a chance of winning. So, yes, I think he's ready. The next topic we're going to discuss on Boxing Bros is the pay-per-view buys. Uh, Canelo versus Plant does. Uh, 800,000 in pay-per-view buys. But before we go there, if you missed it, we have GQG in the building, ladies and gentlemen. 
GQG, aka Jidris Alba. And now we have another name for GQG. Hey, go ahead, man. What was what, what you called me, son? Gizel Washington. <laughs> AKA Gizel Washington. Now, uh, typically we don't do this on Boxing Bros, but we would like to do a light plug. Uh, and we were, we're looking for your help and we're looking for your support with this. We're dead serious about this. So um, if you can see that this is a tweet. Um, and it says, Dear at Eddie Hearn and at Matchroom Boxing, the Boxing Bros would like to request media passes to the at Boo Boo Android fight in NH and the at Teofimo Lopez fight in MSG. Please contact me with your response to our request. Thank you. We're asking you, everyone who watches the Boxing Bros, to retweet that and also tweet at Eddie Hearn and Matchroom Boxing yourself and say, Give the Boxing Bros media passes to this fight okay this is really we're really asking you to do this so uh we don't ask too much we don't we don't 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 ask you for money we don't charge you anything but what we're asking you to do is if you have uh twitter then retweet or send your own tweet say at eddie hearn give the boxing bros media passes or at eddie hearn boxing bros media passes just tweet it send it out to eddie hearn and at matchroom boxing all right, fire underneath his. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the next topic we're going to discuss, like I said, is Canelo Alvarez versus Caleb Plant does 800,000 pay per view buys. Now, of course, this is from numerous sources that are reporting this. One source in particular is Dan Rayfield. And um, here's the source right here SB Sports Nation. As you can see, uh, they pointed out uh, it says, according to a report by Boxing Scene, the Canelo vs. Plant pay-per-view absolutely crushed it with an estimated 800,000 buys in the domestic U.S. That includes purchases made through traditional services like cable-slash-satellite and digital buys through the Showtime app. The expected pay-per-view number was closer to 500,000, so the event blew away all early predictions. So that's uh, what it has to say. Basically, what they're saying is they thought it was going to do 500,000 and 800,000. We have the commish. We have Nostra Trill, Nostradamus. What is your reaction to the projected pay-per-view numbers? All Canelo fans, shout out to Canelo. (laughs) (laughs) All Canelo fans, and you got to give Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, shout out to Tennessee. Tennessee probably. Everybody purchased that fight to show up. (laughs) Now that just shows you, you know, that Canelo, Canelo's a star, you know what I'm saying? Canelo, whoever you put Canelo in is going to do numbers. He even, he even was a sold-out crowd when he got fucked like the guy who just came there to take pictures with him. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, Canelo brings him out. Canelo's a star. Um, you put him in there with somebody with good competition or somebody that's uh, talking that trash or is, is coming with some type of energy is going to do even bigger numbers. Um what else can I say? What can I say? Can I say hey, you, you can't say what's already explained. You know, if, if you <laughs> Canelo is just the number one. That's that's why I say that Canelo is the number one pound for pound star in the sport right now. His, his numbers, you know, he proved. All right, uh, the spirit G. Oh, oh say that. 
No, I'm saying what 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 was the last thing you said? Uh, I was like that just shows why I think that he's the pound for pound star in this book. You know, uh, he brings it out and how he does it. You know, so shout out to Canelo Alvarez. Shout out to um, the whole team. All right, conspiracy. G. Yeah, um, with this fight, like I remember trying to purchase the fight. Like it was like nine o'clock. Yeah, you know, I probably pressed like the the purchase thing on Xfinity maybe like six, maybe eight times or something. It wasn't going through. Wasn't going through. Wasn't going through. I'm like, what's going on? And fine, I remember I was on the phone with Caden. He's trying to purchase the fight at the same time also, and we're both having problems. Both having problems. And finally, it went through for both of us. And G was being disrespectful. What you mean? <laughs> he was being disrespectful because we were uh <laughs> we were trying to order the fight and it kept saying like my car was being declined and I'm like car was being declined like what like and G was like what's up that money's drying up I'm like Yo, watch your mouth G <laughs> but nah, so that just told me it was a high demand fight you know and then when you think about it with the antics and everything on top of Canelo's star power that was a perfect formula you know that slap. That, that generated thousands of buys, you know what I mean? So, and, you know, it's just, I, I can see, honestly, I thought it was going to probably be 1 million pay-per-view buys, to be honest, but 800 is still a spectacular number, especially seeing what Tank did, like, 200, 250,000, you know what I mean? And everyone was praising Tank for those numbers. If that's if that's the standard now for 2021, then Canelo's definitely the pay-per-view GOAT right now, you know what I mean? Because 800 is way more than uh, 200, you know? So, yeah, man, but... uh. This was expected, you know. I kind of feel like five hundred thousand was selling Canelo kind of short, you know. Especially Plant, you know, for a number of reasons. Plant being a U.S. Uh, champion, Plant being a white champion, you know, like all of that plays a factor into people buying and supporting this fight. So I, th- I thought, you know, um, so like eight hundred thousand that makes sense to me. But honestly, I really did thought it was going to reach one million at least. All right, salute to you, Michael G. Jordan. All right, uh, Ned the TBE. <laughs> I'm right now with you. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? Nah, nah. It's expected. You know, it was a big fight. Uh, it was um undisputed. The belts, all the belts were on the line, and you know, Canelo brings out the crowd. And you know, shout out to Plant for doing his part. And I don't know where he, what, what part of his fans generated that money, but you know, 800k. That's a success in my my eyes. And you know, uh. Who's the last person to hit a million? I don't know. Uh, I, <laughs> Mike um, Tyson? Uh, Floyd, Floyd and um, Paul hit a million? Oh, right. yeah. I think it was Logan. Yeah, Logan Paul. Waste, waste some money. But, um, you know, this was worth it. This was this earned this money's worth. You know, shout out to Canelo for, for the bag, getting the bag, and becoming that undisputed champion. Doing his thing. Yo, you know, I, I that's impressive in this day and age. You know, not everybody buying pay per view anymore, they bootlegging. <laughs> you know a little something about that, huh, Ned? All right, so e baby, <laughs> the bootleg enthusiast, uh, the bootleg expert. Oh, <laughs> um, nah. So check it out. Eight hundred thousand at this particular point in time. Uh, like Ned was pointing out. When you're talking about people, some people who still haven't recovered from the pandemic, uh, being out of work, 
You're talking about holiday season approaching um, 800,000. 800,000 when you're not talking about two mega stars. You're talking about Canelo fighting a guy who was fought who was fighting on regular Fox cable um against Truax his fight before fighting Canelo Alvarez to do 800,000 uh pay-per-view buys. And you also got to put in this proper perspective where I believe the pay-per-view was uh $75. So even when you talk about $80, yeah. So when you talk about Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather generating a million pay-per-view buys at $50. Will you talk about 800000 at $80 a You start to see, like, that's some serious money. That's some serious power. But for me, this is very impressive because and you look at Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury, the trilogy, I believe it did 650000 uh pay-per-view buys. And that's two heavyweight attractions. Yeah fighting each other this is canelo and caleb and i don't think anyone's going to mistake caleb for a, a superstar in the sport of boxing i mean he's known in tennessee as trill always say you're always the man where you're from <clears throat> but if you if you brought caleb to the u.s outside of tennessee i don't know how many people would actually know who he is so for canelo to produce this number I think speaks volumes about who's the number one superstar in the sport. And remember, this is only including domestic U.S. buys, um, although I don't necessarily know if it was on pay-per-view in other places. I believe the U.K. watches the fight for free, so um, they wouldn't have had to pay for it. But anyways, the number is solid, um, and I think that number is only going to go up with the right opponent. So salute to Canelo. No surprise to me. The next topic we're going to discuss on Boxing Bros is Caleb Plant seeks validation from Canelo mid-fight. But before we get into that, we are going to have to share uh, Ned the TBE's attempt at getting the Boxing Bros media passes to the fights. Let's take a look at the professionalism of Ned the TBE. All right, here it is on our screen. Ned has sent uh, Eddie Hearn a message. Oh, yeah, Ned, Ned, read it. Go ahead, Ned. Hold on. I can't really see the font on that, but I'm going to read it from my phone. Give me one second as I pull up this DM. Yeah, and I'm not ashamed that I slid in Eddie's DM. But (laughs) hey, Eddie and AJ, big fans of yours. I am Ned from the Boxing Bros and was wondering if we could obtain media passes from yours, from you or your associates, The Zone. We are big fans, and you, if you end up reading this, I appreciate this. Much love, the Boxing Bros. Thank you. Thank you. Let Eddie know I reached out. <laughs> so, as you see, Ned is doing his part to get uh, media passes for uh, mm-hmm. the Boxing Bros. All right, we're going to move on to uh, – Well, and show them what they can do, my brother. Show them what they can do. Oh, I got to pull that up. I got to pull that up, my brother. I got to pull that up. Yes, yes. And this is also what can do because, you know, y'all always ask what y'all can do to support because we don't ask for money. You know, we just come out here and just show y'all love and y'all show us love and we just talk boxing. Yo, I'm going to show you this. I got to show y'all this. Hold on. I got to show y'all this in live time, straight up. This is why this is our dude. Hold on. Let me share the screen real quick. All right. Here we go. Can y'all see the screen? Yes, sir. 
My boy Rico done already Ooh. shared it. <laughs> my guy Rico. What this is before we even drop these videos to tell y'all to share it. I posted this and Rico done already posted this. I want to give a salute to my man Rico. Shout out to Rico. R-I underscore K-O boxing. I mean, y'all subscribe to my man Rico. Rico is the honorary boxing bro without a doubt. He done already retweeted this, so uh, let me just say we're asking you to retweet this. Um, and here it says, uh, dear at Eddie Hearn and at Matchroom Boxing, the Boxing Bros would like to request media passes to the at Boo Boo Android fight in New Hampshire and the at Teofimo Lopez fight in Madison Square Garden. Please contact me with your response to our request. Thank you. So please retweet this mm-hmm. and send your own like uh, Rico did. Just at Eddie Hearn and at Matchroom Boxing and say, uh, please uh, provide the Boxing Bros with media passes so you can do that on your own. Now, let's get into Plant Seeks Validation from Canelo Alvarez mid-fight. I really wasn't aware of this, and I was really hoping this was fake. I was talking about this with Trill. Like Trill's like, nah, this is real. I'm like, bro, I hope this is fake. But this is real. Uh, and let's take a look. Oh, hold on. Let me turn this off. So basically you saw the conversation that uh Caleb Plant had with Canelo uh mid fight trill dollar bill what was your reaction to that when you saw it i mean i started laughing i was i, I just like this is this is this is hilarious you was he was conceding it felt like to me you know and that was around the time where you know he was like trying to pity pat the champ He was hoping that, you know, the chair would say something to him. The chair was like, yeah, whatever. I'm here. I know you respect. Yep. I know you respect my skills. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I like this fight. I'm about to knock you out. You know what I'm saying? Um, Yeah, I mean, it just didn't. You was supposed to be in here like, I'm about to knock you out. Say my name. I'm not trying to get validation, you know, um, during that fight. Um, Asking if you was as as good as you really are. Um, And we seen what happened in that fight. Man, I went back and go and watch that fight. It seemed like the first couple of rounds, and then he realized what he was in there with. And he was like, maybe if, you know, if I give him some compliments and I don't hit him too hard, Canelo won't hit me too hard, and maybe he'll let me go the distance. You were wrong, you know? You were wrong, you know? Like, hey, uh, my bro G uh, dubbed Canelo the body snatcher, right? Because he always taking something, you know? So uh, (laughs) what I'm hearing, he took another eye. So while he was sitting there trying to, you know, get on Canelo's good side, Canelo went around and just took his eye and called it a night. But, um... That's not the mindset that you should have when you're going in there with a, a Canelo. And that's what I was always saying the whole time. Like, these guys ain't prepared to go in there with a guy like Canelo. 
pretty good for 21 and 0, huh? No. <laughs> no. Um, listen, y'all guys, as prepare yourselves. That's the only way y'all gonna give yourselves a chance against the number one pound for pound star in the sport, Saul Canelo Alvarez. All right, Conspiracy G. I'm not shocked by this. This is to me, this is the snack effect. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like Haney with Lenares. It's like, uh, like <laughs> validation. You know what I'm saying? They yeah. need the validation. Like, but at least I can give Haney this pat. At least he did it after the fight. My man get <laughs> crazy. It's like, yo, come on, fam. Like, yo, and Haney won. These these snack fellas, man. I don't know, man. It's just, it's, it's different. But it's just snack effect. I like that, G. Yeah, yeah, good fighter. And then he just attempts to like take his head clean off. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I don't know. And it's funny what Trill was saying because it was like that was one of my um, you know, I guess like my critiques of Plant during that fight. It's just like, yo, man, just he just focused on just like just touching him up. Hit him with a jab and move, even though I was like, hey, that makes sense for playing because he's probably afraid to exchange with Canelo. But it's just funny that while he's doing it, they like, oh, it's pretty good, right, for my record, right? Huh? Huh? Yeah? Yeah? You know, like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Come on, come on. Fight, fight. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't know, man. Just These dudes are different, man. I don't know, man. Plant. But nonetheless, I still say Plant did a lot better than Saunders and Smith. But Canelo apparently still left with one of your eyes, bro. So, man, you'll be all right. You know, I led the TBE. I love this. What he wanted to say. <laughs> I, I I disagree with G. I think Smith did the best out of all of them. Out of Canelo, out of, out of Plant, Smith didn't get knocked out. Smith didn't quit, and Smith didn't get knocked out. He lost every round, but Plant. I respect that. Seeking validation. Mm. <laughs> it was cringy to me. It was like, come on, man. <laughs> you, fan. you got fans, Plant. You got fans. What type of warrior are you to them? Come on now. Like, we don't respect <laughs> that. Get together, man. Don't ever try to gain uh, attain compliments from your opponent, man. You better talk trash to him till, till you get knocked out, man. You try to slap him. And you better go out on your shield like uh, respectably. You know, that's all I gotta say. Respectably, go out on your shield plant. Don't do that ever again. Especially against a Canelo. You know, it's crazy to me because when we were talking about this, um, and and Caleb had said he wasn't intimidated by Canelo, right? Uh one of the things we discussed was we'll see in the ring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, we'll see in the ring. Was that the actions of a man who wasn't intimidated? <laughs> Was that the actions of pretty good, huh? Huh? <laughs> I respect your fight skills. He said, I know. You why didn't you say that at the press conference? <laughs> You're gonna say in the middle of the fight, like what was that, like the ninth round? In the mm-hmm. ninth round, that you respect his his fight skills? That was crazy. You talk about a, a concession. You talk about a 180, like, my man. What about the roids and all that? Yeah. You were just, like, <laughs> in, like, talking trash. Like, you were going to beat him. He, he he never seen no one like you. He's never been in with anyone like you. How you go from he's never been in with anyone like you 
So I'm pretty good, huh? <laughs> I respect your fight skills. Listen, he, not he, bad. Trill's huh? advice. He took Trill's advice. Remember, Trill's like, yeah, you better hit that brother with a fruit basket. <laughs> yeah, oh, but it was too late. Too late. <laughs> he, he started getting hit and he was like, wow, like like bro said, like you I respect your fight skills. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like to me, you know, um last night, Davis, when Davis was gonna go out, and it was evident, similar to kind of like plant, Benavidez was gonna overwhelm him. Benavidez was gonna get him out of there eventually. Yo, when Davis felt that, yo, Davis started fighting. Yeah. He started talking, calling them the P word, calling them all types. But he was really trying to, like, motivate himself to keep fighting. But what I'm saying is that Davis was like, yo, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he was trying to – but he wasn't like, Benavidez, pretty good for a guy who took the fight on two weeks, right? <laughs> Benavidez. I'm taking some pretty good punches, huh, Benavidez? He was like, nah, F that. Come on. I'm not done, you punk. Like, he was he was, he was, was in the fight. I just feel like, and I'm going to close with this, the point that we've been trying to hammer home to people who've been coming at us, saying ridiculous things to us, trying to, like, come at the credibility of the channel, but here's the facts. Here are the facts. The people stepping in the ring with Canelo haven't prepared themselves by fighting the level of competition or even being involved in the type of major events that Canelo has been involved in since he was like 24 years old. So they step into the fight not even knowing if they belong on that level. That's what you saw from Caleb Plant. In the midst, in the midst of the fight against the guy he is trying to beat to become undisputed, he's seeking validation because he knows that that man is already the real deal, but he doesn't know it about himself. How can he win? He doesn't even know if he belongs. How can he win? He doesn't even know if he belongs. But if he would have fought Charlo and beat Charlo, if he would have fought Benavidez and beat Benavidez, he wouldn't have had any question that he belongs. But when you keep playing this game, fighting the true actors of the world, when you keep playing this game, fighting the mediocre guys and beating the mediocre guys, when you're in there against a proven commodity, you don't know if you belong. That's why y'all need to start fighting each other. If not for nothing, to get the experience, to get better. You can lose and come out better, i.e. Canelo Alvarez. Can't. Can't. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't. There's, you can't cheat your way to greatness. You just can't do it. You just can't cheat your way to greatness. You cannot uh, skip the process. You know? You got to jump through the fire, you know? And these guys don't understand that. And they think that we be bugging. <laughs> nah, we don't be bugging. We just know boxing. You know what I'm saying? Just look at all the greats. Poor plant. The next topic we're going to discuss on Boxing Bros um, is, is a prime Canelo. All right, you take a prime Canelo versus a prime Andre Ward and who wins. But before we dive into that, we are asking all of our supporters to retweet 
this tweet to Eddie Hearn, uh, which is asking Eddie Hearn to give us media passes. Uh, as you can see, it's already moving. We have two retweets from people we didn't even ask. I'm going to I know one is uh, Rico, our brother Rico. I'm going I'm to go on a limb and say the other is the Irish boxing bro. Let's see. I think the other one's me. Oh, you? Oh, hold on. Wait a minute. Oh, no. We got fam loyalty Tink and uh, smell the glove. Retweeted it. So salute to fam loyalty Tink. Go follow fam loyalty Tink and follow smell the glove too. Okay. Thank you. We appreciate that. Um, but so, I did retweet it. I just don't know why it's not showing up on your end. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Jesus Alba, stop filling yourself, Jesus Alba. We don't Jesus go somewhere, Jesus. I told y'all the colder it gets. Hmm. <laughs> All right. So I'm gonna turn it over to you, uh Billy G. Williams. Um who wins? A prime Canelo or a prime Andre Ward? All right. So my answer is a prime Canelo, but the reason why is because Andre Ward in his prime. He was only fighting with just one hand. You know what I'm saying? Like, he had a messed up right shoulder. And so he rarely utilized it in his prime, you know? And so, but I think if he rem if he got his so uh, so uh shoulder surgery um, in his prime, then I think I would lean more towards Ward. But for the bulk of his prime, he had, he was literally functioning off of just the left hand. So I, I think a guy like Canelo, you know, he uses a lot of punches on both the left side and the right side. I think that would be a major disadvantage for Ward. Even though Ward is a real smart fighter, you know, I just feel like he'll need all his, like, a, a complete arsenal to defend himself against a Canelo, especially with Canelo's counter. So that's why I'm leaning towards Canelo because of Ward's uh, physical restrictions uh, that he had during his prime. All right. Trill Nostradamus. Who would win? Canelo in, in his prime or Ward in his prime? Ooh. Ooh. Um, okay. Prime Ward. I'm thinking Prime Ward. Chad Dawson. You think around there? Ward knocked out Chad Dawson. And after that, winning the, the Super Six. That, um... I can see that. I can see that being a draw, and the reason why I can see that being. Yeah, I answers these questions. These uh, mythical questions because he's never gonna give you a straight answer, man. You know nah, you know, because it's, it's 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 really hard, right? Like, because it's like at, at any given Saturday with these guys. Canelo has this 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 thing where you know most fights where he starts off a little slow, you know, and that can help Ward the thinker. So Ward can come out and try to throw these flurries to win certain rounds, right? Ward has this ability to make things. I always consider Ward kind of like a Bernard Hopkins to me. Like he does little subtle things in there. It's not spectacular things, but he does things in, and he's pointing when he's winning. He he'll grab you, he'll hit inside, he'll do little tricky things, you know. Um he's been in there with big punches. He knows how to take take shots and wrap people up. Um he can frustrate a Canelo. 
And I think uh, we've seen Canelo be frustrated before in certain fights. And even if Canelo if feels like he has to go in there and box with an Andre Ward, you know, it's it's really difficult. Styles made fights. It's hard to say and let these guys get in there. That's why I'm leading for Like, when people gave uh, um, the, uh, a draw with um, – I called it a draw with Triple G and um, Canelo. Even though I was leaning for Canelo, when I watched it again, I was like, yeah, I can see a draw. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can – honestly, I can see a draw in this fight. You talking you know? about one, not two. Oh, one, two. Canelo washed him to me. You know, it wasn't even – you know – the first fight I even had Canelo, but then I watched it again. I said, all right, cool. I can see a draw. Like in this fight, it's so difficult. And 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 and, and Ward's such a thinker. And as you gotta think about Prime War too, with that was able to that had some pop that could keep Canelo off of him, you know, it could be a different difficult fight, you know. And Canelo could probably come on later on in the rounds. But like I said, he already gave up some rounds in the beginning. So if he don't stop him and he comes on later, like we see in the Laura fight, we might have a draw. All right, Ned the TBE. Who you All got? Right. All right, so when I started watching Ward, I saw his Kovalev fights. I saw from one and two, and then Ward retired. I got to go with Canelo after that because I didn't get to see much from Ward like where I'd be like, oh, he's like, my what I seen of Ward is like he's a good fighter, but I didn't see he retired at an early age where I didn't get to really see the greatness, greatness, the prime. So you see, we're witnessing Canelo's prime and we're witnessing what he's doing. And from that all, I've seen Canelo fights. I've seen like many Canelo fights, and I only seen two Ward fights. So from what I seen from Canelo and what I seen from Ward, I gotta go with Canelo because Canelo just looked like a different man now. Back in the days, if it was if he. He beat he beat um Kovalev once, and if it was if it was Canelo next fight, then maybe I throw a draw. But now I just gotta go Canelo because Canelo's just a different man. Even if he come out of retirement, different man. All right, so we're talking about a fantasy matchup. Yeah, I mean, could be real. We'll see. Uh, but at this mo- at this point in time, we're talking about a fantasy matchup because even if hypothetically Andre Ward was to come out of retirement, he wouldn't be in his prime. And of course, Canelo to me is in his prime right now, so it makes it interesting to ask this question. What are you saying, bro? Are you about to say something? <laughs> Canelo now is is crazy. That's why I'm saying it's a fantasy fight. You <laughs> play this on like a, a fight night. You know what I'm saying? The prime Andre Ward and the prime Canelo. Yeah, one hundred. <laughs> if you're asking me to take the best version of Andre War that I've ever seen and put it in the ring against the best version of Canelo that I've seen, which would be most likely his last two fights, <laughs> um, who do I think would win? It is difficult. It's like, you know, grasping at straws and, 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 and being very nitpicky. But I would go with Andre Ward. And the reason why I would go with Andre Ward is you look at boxers, and and I would say this, um, boxers tend to survive well against Canelo. But what happens with them, say Billy Joe Saunders and um, Caleb Plant, is they don't have the ability to keep it up for the entirety of the 12 rounds. Like Ned pointed out something that was very important, which was Callum Smith, had the ability to absorb the punishment 
for 12 rounds, but he never really was in the fight. But he he at least had the ability to absorb the punishment to see the distance, right? When you look at Andre Ward's size and his physical stature and his history in the ring in which he's been in there with punches like Kovalev and he was able to see the distance, I would put my money on it that Andre Ward would be able to see the distance. In addition to that, you look at Andre Ward's boxing skill with his size, which uh, Callum Smith didn't have the type of boxing skill that Andre Ward has with his size. If you look at it, and I and I don't I don't I feel very confident in saying, and I think most people would agree, Andre Ward's a better boxer than Caleb Plant, and he's bigger than Plant. He's a better boxer than Billy Joe Saunders, and he's bigger than Billy Joe Saunders. And I think those things would give Canelo Alvarez trouble. I think Canelo would beat Canelo. I think he'd be in a close fight. Um, But I think Andre Ward would edge it out with his physical gifts over Canelo Alvarez. But with that being said, you know, I understand why, like, and people laugh because, you know, when you look at these type of fantasy matchups, it's usually, you know, it could be a draw. It could go the other way. It could be a split. Like, if they fought three times, like, one wins, the other wins, or whatever. But if you're asking me to just, like, pick, you know, in a vacuum, like, who do I think will win in their prime? I think Ward because of his physical attributes and also his boxing ability. When it seems like boxing ability is what gives Canelo problems, he ha- it, he has the physical ability to take the punishment and he has the boxing ability to give Canelo problems. But who knows? It's just a fantasy. It's just my opinion. The next topic we're going to discuss on Boxing Bros is Eddie Hearn states that the target date for the AJ Usyk rematch is April of 2022. But before we dive into that, there's something we'd like to discuss with you. And the thing we'd like to discuss is the fact that we've tweeted Eddie Hearn. We're asking Eddie Hearn to provide us with media passes to the fight between Demetrius Andrade uh, in New Hampshire in the fight with Teofimo Lopez in Cambosis in Madison Square Garden. So if you see this tweet, we ask that you retweet it. I see like some people quote uh, the tweet. So if you quote the tweet, that's like you retweet it. I'm not a big uh, Twitter guy, but I see my boy Zombie Ray. Salute to Zombie Ray. Go follow yeah. Zombie Ray. Boxing Bros USA. There you go, Conspiracy. There you go. He <laughs> said, there you go, Conspiracy. <laughs> G, G, G did what he said he did. Oh, excuse me. Eat uh, Jidris Alba and Billy G. Williams did uh, what he said uh, he was going to do. So, um, so salute if you can, please retweet that. All right, so now diving in uh, to the topic. Um, there's an article basically, and the article states that Eddie Hearn discussed uh, the rematch. Uh, so the article's from Boxing Scene, um, and you can see it says Usyk Joshua rematch should take place by early April at latest, says Hearn. Um, and we're just gonna go to the quote, and here it is. According to Hearn, the second bout will take place early April at the latest. The goal, says Hearn, is to bring the fight back to the UK, but there are several other locations that are interested in hosting the second fight. I think the rematch will be realistically end of March, early April. Both guys probably resting, although AJ will be doing a bit more preparation because he wants to get it right, Hearn told 
uh, talk sport. So that's what Eddie Hearn had to say. I'm going to turn it over to you, Conspiracy G. What's your reaction to the fight? Um, to Eddie Hearn saying he's targeting April 2022 for the rematch. Do you think that's too soon? Do you think that's too late? What's your thoughts on it? Um, so I think it's just right. And the reason why, it's not like a, a Wilder Fury situation where Wilder had to develop skills. AJ has the skills. It's just the mindset of AJ. So I think the mindset could be activated at any time. You know what I mean? So it's like, AJ, all you got to do is now just bully this kid. You know, like, stop respecting Usyk's skills. Like, you know, AJ pulling a plant out here in these streets. Forget all of that. No more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just run through him, man. Just run over this guy. You know, so I think he could do that in April. He could do that tomorrow if, if his mindset is right. So, you know, I, I think I think this April um, 2022, uh, whatever, is just right for, for AJ. All right, True Dollar Bill. Yeah, I agree with uh, 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 Billy G. Williams. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's the mindset. Like, you know, we can't put a time on that. Five months to me, five months is is, is good, you know? Um, can't put a mindset on it. It's like love, you know? Somebody's going to say, hey, you can't fall in love in five months. How you know? You can't put a time on love. You know what I'm saying? It could be love at first sight, you know? It's just, you know? So it's all in the mind. I don't believe at love and first sight. But I believe in love and first night. Yeah. <laughs> That's a wall ball right there. <laughs> yeah. You can't put a time on love. So you can't put a time on his mindset. Five months to me, it seems like a swell time. But some for some odd reason, though, I, I think that it's going to get pushed back. <laughs> I don't know. But I, think, I don't know. But hopefully it doesn't. But five months seems like a pretty good time. I just wanted to uh, read something to, to, to Eddie that I seen on Twitter. And it goes like this. It says, Dear at Eddie Hearn in at Matchroom Boxing, the boxing bros would like to request media passes to the at Boo Boo Andre fight in New Hampshire and the at Telefimo Lopez fight in Madison Square Garden. Please contact me with your response to our request. Thank you. I think that that was a marvelous tweet. And I would like for every one of you guys to please retweet that when you get a chance. I agree. Retweet it. <laughs> All right. Another TV. Uh, no, nah, I agree with Billy G. Saunders. I mean, um, Billy G. Williams. My bad. <laughs> you know, you said, uh, will you lose my? Will you lose my? The disrespect. Let's leave it with something. Yeah, Let's leave it with something. You get surgery. <laughs> you get surgery. But you know, Hearns, yo, Hearns like I don't I don't know. The the fight one I, I, I like the date. This date seems good. When they say they have a date, it always happens on that date. So only time we had the mishaps was with um what's his name? Big Farmer Miller, big baby Miller. And um, with Tyson Fury when they were doing their um, nonsense. And we got a date, and the date didn't happen because they were lying. But AJ and um, Eddie always come to come to show on their dates. All I ask is AJ, come, come, be that, be, move mad, bruv. You got to move mad, bruv. You hear me? And that's all I got to tell you. And the rest is up to y'all, yo. So there we go. I think uh, the date is fine. You know, uh, it was a tough fight and, you know, both fighters uh, sustained a lot of punishment. So I think 
It gives them time to heal. Uh, for AJ, it gives him time to go back to the drawing board and try to figure out um, a different strategy. Um, if you're Usyk, should Usyk want this fight, you know, to happen at an earlier date than April? I don't really think it matters to Usyk. I think Usyk, he's already said that he doesn't care who AJ's training with. He doesn't care what, he, what he's doing. I think in Usyk's mind, it's more about what he does, which is a smart way to move. Usyk already says that. He doesn't worry about what his opponents are doing. He trains to give himself the best chance to win. And that's what you're supposed to do um, at the end of the day. And so AJ should be doing the same. Um, you hear Eddie said that AJ may be doing more training than Usyk. I don't necessarily know about that either. Um, what I do know is April 2022. This seems like a good date. Um, you, 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 you allow some fights to happen and you get to build it up for, you know, the first quarter of, of the year. So I think uh, that's, you know, it's a good fight. And so, um, I, I personally, I'm looking forward to it because I feel like it's going to shape the heavyweight division. Hopefully we'll get an announcement from uh fury as to what he's going to do but i think this this fight between aj and Usyk the rematch um is going to say a lot and and shape a lot uh when it comes to heavyweight division so i can't wait hopefully it does happen in april so um i think that's a good target date the next topic we're going to discuss on boxing bros are comments made by john fury uh john fury said that he wants his son tyson fury to retire because he has nothing left to prove but before we uh, dive into that, we're just asking you to retweet. If you're on Twitter, we're asking you to retweet a tweet that we sent to Eddie Hearn, uh, basically asking him to give us media passes to the Demetrius Andre fight in New Hampshire and the Teofimo Lopez, George Campos' fight in Madison Square Garden. Um, so please uh, retweet this if you have the opportunity and the chance to. And so now we're going to move on to comments made by John Fury. And so before we do that, I'm going to introduce this video. Now, my man, Conspirit G, has called me out that I tell everyone to subscribe, but I don't subscribe. So I am going to press the subscribe button right now. And I just subscribed to BT Sport Boxing. And this video is courtesy of BT Sport. So please subscribe to BT Sport. Now, Steve Cunningham, a few years ago, yeah, remember that. He'd done a 60, they just did his two minute interview, didn't he, in the back of the box of news and that. And they asked him a question What was your hardest fight you've ever had? He said, Without a doubt, Tyson Fury. He said, Why? He said, It was like fighting two people in there. It's the strength of the man, the will to win. You know, he's been down, he keeps getting back up. Unless he's counted out and he can't get up at all and he's out of his senses. This man's going to get to his feet every time, isn't he? But it's only so long he can keep doing that. And I know the fight game inside out. You can't keep going to the well like that. Because all of a sudden you fight one day and a jab will knock you over. Your punch resistance goes through sheer punishment. You know, but he, he has a good hard uh, uh, rest now. And what he wants to do is up to him. I said, retire. You've done enough. He's won everything. He's got no more to prove. Yeah. You know, he's got millions and millions of pounds in the bank. He's secure for life. You know, it's more to life than get your brain rattled, isn't it? To please the public. You yeah. know, he's his own man. He'll do what he's going to do. But for me, I'd like him to call it a draw now. You know, and there'll always be somebody, won't they? Like I said to him the other day. Yeah, so basically you heard it right there. You heard uh, 
Big John Fury say that he would like for his son Tyson Fury to retire. Um, Trill Dollar Bill, he heard it. What did you make of it? What are your thoughts? (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I said, you know, there's a chance, you know. Hey, that's not (laughs) You know, I said there's a chance that he can, you know, beat Deontay Wilder and then ride off in the sunset. You know what I'm saying? And not even, or fight somebody else and, and not even fight an AJ or, or do that fight. I was saying that before when that fight didn't even take place. There's a possibility. We don't even, we, ne- we never know what Tyson Fury is. You know? But I feel like there's unfinished business. You know? Undisputed is still looming. There's still something that's attainable. This is still, that should still be a goal. I don't feel like, like I want him to, you know, Try to unify these is these is these is other things you know to try to be undisputed uh try to be i don't i don't know man i just i just feel like there's other things to be done and if you're 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 in i think that tyson fury feels like he has another fight in him i've been seeing tyson fury in the gym it seems like right after that fight he realized that you know, maybe he didn't look too good in that fight because he, he's been right back to the gym from what I've seen. Still working on things. Like, his father might want him to retire, but I don't think Tyson Fury is because I think there is still unfinished business. And I really, you know, forget all the talking. Sometimes we get annoyed with Tyson Fury and, and, and him talking all the time and saying certain things, but he really is a fighting man. That's what he says. He's a fighting man. And Tyson Fury proved he is a fighting man. And um, and he's better mentally when he is fighting and preparing for fighting when he's in the gym. You know, his wife even said that. You know, she loves the fact when he's because he's he's his mind is focused. He's staying away from the drinking and the drugging and and everything else, and he's focused. Um, I I think Tyson Fury, honestly, I, I to me, he doesn't have nothing to prove. He doesn't have nothing to prove. He's right. He doesn't have nothing to prove. But I would like to see him go and fight these other fighters. Like, I would love to see him in there with Dillian. I think Dillian deserves that shot. I would love to see him in there with um with AJ. I think that that would be a wonderful fight. Maybe even a Usyk. There's still things for him to do, you know? So, um, man, listen. Hey, who am I to say? But I think Tyson Fury is, is not done. He's not done at all. Only thing that I, I'm I'm concerned about is just this one thing that I want to read before I leave. Is there at Eddie Hearn and at Match from Boxing, the Boxing Bros would like to request media passes to the at Boo Boo Andre fight in New Hampshire and the at Telefemo Lopez fight in Madison Square Garden. That's right. That's Please, right. Yeah. Please contact me with your response to our request. Thank you. And what I would like all of you fan, fans and supporters to do is – I would like for y'all to please go and retweet this. You know, y'all always asking what y'all can do to support. You know, we don't ask for money, so we would like for y'all to do it. All we would like y'all to do is please go and retweet this tweet. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And Conspiracy. Man, first, uh, salute to... Uh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, it's it Conspiracy. What's the name right now, G? Oh, it's G1. Go ahead, G. G1. G1. You know, salute to BT Sports. You know, like they get them exclusive, exclusive. Like 
My man, uh, John Fury, looking like he was at a soccer tailgate. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> son, so that was dope. But um, I, I'm looking at it from a father's perspective, right? But, well, first, let me do this. I low-key disagree with Trill. And Trill, within his comment, he proved that Tyson Fury said something to prove. Undisputed. I think a guy of his caliber should get should reach that, right? Then you have nothing to prove because it's like there's no doubt in anyone's mind you're the best of the best. So I mean, when I excuse, when I just want real quick, I don't I don't want to cut you off. I'm sorry. When I mean like prove, I mean he doesn't have nothing to prove as far as like you know he came back from depression, came yeah. back from being over five hundred seven pounds. Yeah. You don't have to prove to nobody nothing. He proved that he was mentally strong and that he was a warrior to come back from everything that he came back from. That's what I was alluding to. Yeah. I get what you're saying. That's a segue to my next point. John Fury's looking at it from a father's perspective. He's seen his son reach rock bottom. Like, and I think like if I had a son that's battling like mental health issues, who's in a in a violent uh sport like boxing, right? Like I think about all of those like football players, right? Who who get so many concussions and then some of these guys are suicidal. Some of these guys are like really violent, you know, like because of the sport that they're in. Tyson Fury, he went from low to low, all the way up top. What happens to Tyson Fury if he experiences his first loss? You know, these are like things that a family member has to consider. And so John Fury is probably thinking, is he even worth continuing? Because there is a chance you could lose. And remember, he's talking about, you know, you're going through these wars, you know, your punch resistance declines, you know what I'm saying? Like all of this stuff, it's like you're not the same fighter that you were a couple of fights ago. So you can be fighting a guy that's essentially your inferior, but because you've been in so many wars, so many battles, you might lose. And then after that, you're thinking, like, how will he respond? You know, will he become more depressed? Would, you know, would, you know, his, his, his mental condition affect him even more? Like, how would that play a factor within the family makeup, within his wife, within his children, things of that nature? So I think John Fury's talking more like a father as opposed to like a trainer or or fan or anything. So I think he's just looking at it from behind the scenes that we may not be seeing, and that gets him kind of nervous. But then again, this is the same guy who was like, yo, Tyson, you shouldn't take the rematch with uh, Wilder. You know, so I don't know. You know, but I, I respect his opinion because he knows Tyson Fury on a more personal level than any of us. All right, Ned, the TBE. I'm not feeling what um, John Fury is saying at all. And this, what I'm about to respond to is directly, clearly, directly at John Fury. And I'm going to quote the great musical composer and artist, Lil John. You scared? You scared? You acting like a blank? You scared? You scared? You scared? Stop acting like a blank, you scared. I view the opinions of Ned the TV do not reflect the boxing bros as a whole and all the other faces you see on the screen. You know, so John, your boy came out of retirement for a reason and let him prove himself, yo. You know, you want to throw in the towel early, but let him try to make let's try to end the sunset on the brighter side of his career instead of just tapping out when you feel like. Is getting more too dangerous. That's what he's here for. That's what he's was born to do. He's an elite heavyweight boxer. And why would you want to tap um leave so much on the table? Let's get it done. Let's see what happens. You know? And at the end of the day, worst comes to worst, he just loses. 
and he done something, something he, he, he's accomplished something so great where he's made some of the best fights happen in the heavyweight division. So let's not let's not stop that from happening. Like I don't know what what what's the what what Dark Cloud you're under right now, John Fury, but it's not that bad. Let Tyson finish out his career the best way possible. So I mean I'm I'm in between. I I kind of agree with G a little bit. Agree with a little bit of Trill. Ned, no comment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think John Fury speaking strictly from a dad's perspective. It's like as a dad, he's seen his son reach the pinnacle and beating uh, Vladimir Klitschko. He watched his son go through a lot in terms of uh, battling mental health, illness, obesity, um, you know, drug and alcohol abuse. And so he sees his son now recapture the title, have these uh, physically taxing trilogies with Deontay Wilder. And he goes, man, you did it, son. Like. You picked yourself back up, you became champion again, and man, you made enough money to last you a lifetime. What what parent would want to see their kid keep fighting after that? It's like you're set financially, you you've gotten yourself back and you put yourself back in in in, in contention. You you you've done it all basically. Um, you know, from another standpoint, you've held every belt there is to hold, you've had every belt, not at the same time. But you had every belt there is to hold. You've done everything. That's from a dad's perspective who's looking at their son and, want their, and wants their son to be safe. Um, and you heard what he said. How many times can you go to the well? How many times can you keep getting knocked down and, and keep getting back up? At one point, you're going to go down and stay down. And he's right. Tro brought this up um, the other time, uh, like last week, I think. Carlos Baldemir used to have the best beard the best chin we seen Baltimore take some shots until he fought Canelo and then he was just out cold because like there's a certain amount of punches you can take and your punch resistance is just gonna go um we were talking about the homie uh James Kirtland and salute to James Kirtland because he follows us on social media and James Kirtland is a guy who's given some really exciting fights. And we were talking about what it takes to be fight of the year in earlier segments. And James Kirtland's one of those guys who gives you all he has, blood and guts and exciting fights. People talk about um, Hagler Hearns, one of the great fights, like the most brutal three rounds, like my, my dad always tells me. But let me tell you, James Kirkland versus El Pedro the dog. <laughs> James Kirkland versus Enfranlo Angulo. If you've never seen Kirkland Angulo, do it now. Go on and, 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 and go on YouTube and look up James Kirkland versus Angulo. You're going to love that fight. That, to me, when, when you talk about fights, that where you're like, you're talking about a legendary fight between Hagler and Hearns. There aren't too many in that class. That fight's in that class. But the thing about it is uh, James Kirkland was in so many wars like that that his punch resistance has left him, and now he gets hurt. James Kirkland's a man, when you see his name on the billing, you know you're going to see action. Like, he was one of those guys, and eventually the punch resistance faded. And, you know, we love James Kirkland for what he's done for the sport what he's provided for this sport, the excitement he's provided to the sport. But I'm just citing him as an example of how, like, punch resistance fades. And he used to take some 
monster shots. Um, and so Fury's worried about that from a dad's perspective. Now, from an objective perspective, does he have nothing left to prove? I disagree. He has two quality wins that I consider quality. Um, not to say that he doesn't have other good wins, but when I say quality wins, it's Vladimir Klitschko. He beat the man who reigned supreme for 10 years. He's the one who dethroned him. That's one good win. And Deontay Wilder, when he when he beat Deontay Wilder, he took the WBC championship. He defended it um, in in their trilogy, and he got he has those victories over Wilder. But again, those are two guys. He has those two wins. His victory over Derek Chisora, I think it's a solid win. But again, we've seen other people beat Derek Chisora. Um, he has two really good wins. And yes, he's held every single belt, but he hasn't held them at the same time. He hasn't been undisputed. He's dubbed the lineal champ. That is true. But let's not act like there isn't debate about that. There was in a time when Vladimir Klitschko and Vitaly Klitschko both were reigning supreme in the heavyweight division. They were brothers. So they never fought each other to see who was the best. They never brought the titles together, and Lennox retired. So we needed that to find out who was actually the man, who was actually the baddest person on the planet. We don't have that in boxing right now. That's why being undisputed at this particular point in time is very important because you would finally put the belts, the lineal, everything in order. Nobody beat Lennox. Lennox retired. And I think it was uh, Vladimir Klitschko versus uh, Saunders. They decided that that was going to be the fight for the lineal status. But there are many people who feel like Vitaly is the be- was the better Klitschko. And we'll never know. But that's why having Undisputed in 2021 and 2022 is very important because it brings order to the heavyweight division. Order we haven't had since 2004 so that's what fury has to prove he can prove he's the best of his era but not only that he can be the man who brings order back to the heavyweight division he can prove he can beat somebody other than deontay wilder because let's face it deontay wilder although and i stand by it the man's a champion the man's a dog he's earned my respect that's a quality win Because I believe for anyone to beat Deontay Wilder, you're going to have to take right hands and you're going to have to beat him. He's not going to lie down for you. And I don't think he's going to be easy to beat for anyone because I think he's going to get his. So I got I got respect for Wilder. That's a quality win. But he's also the most flawed technically. So you got to show you can beat someone like Dillian. You got to show you can beat someone like Joshua. You got to show you can beat someone like Ruiz. Do I think Fury can do it? Hell yeah. But again, fights on one on paper. So he has more to prove. So that's where we disagree. If he retired today, hell of a career, Hall of Famer, all that, 100%. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't have nothing left to prove. If he became undisputed, I would say retire on the spot then. You got nothing left to prove. The next topic we're going to discuss on Boxing Bros is would a close fight with Porter prove Crawford is overrated? But before we dive in, There's just this tweet that we're asking you to retweet if you're on Twitter. 
If you watch the Boxing Bros or you support the Boxing Bros, it's a tweet to Eddie Hearn. It's just asking for the Boxing Bros to get media passes to the bout in New Hampshire with mm-hmm. Google Android in the fight at Master Square Garden with Teofimo Lopez. Uh, so you can retweet that um, if you're on Twitter. I'm going to turn this over to Trill Nostradamus Dollar Bill. Uh, what would a close fight with Porter prove? Uh, would a close fight with Porter prove that Crawford is overrated? <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. You know what I'm saying? Would a close fight with Porter prove that? No, because uh, Porter proved that he's a dog, and he makes every fight a rough and tough type of fight, and he makes everybody look. You know, he makes fights look ugly. That's just what uh, uh, Porter does. And he has this way of just throwing fights and making fights look, you know, really, really tough. No, if 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 he if Crawford gets knocked out, <laughs> you know, then then we can be like, okay, he was overrated. But if he gets into a tough fight with Sean Porter, no, Tom Sean Porter's a tough guy. He makes things rugged and ugly in there. So no, I'm gonna say no. All right, Kasper G. Hold on, it ain't conspiracy. I'm sorry, G songs, G songs. I'm sorry, G Q G. I'm sorry, G songs. G, you got you got to serenade the audience before you even like. I ain't got to do that. I already told y'all, man. Yo, it's winter season. Winter season means I'm back in here, baby. You know what I mean? Doing style, G. I'll do that. Say G. If you if you had to sing, if you had to sing a Trey song song, what song would it be, G? Mm. Put your number in my phone. You know what I mean? Because that's the only one I can right now. <laughs> yeah, but like responding to the question, uh, with a close fight. With a uh, Port approved, uh, Crawford's overrated. I don't believe that as, uh, as well. I agree with Trill 1000 on this. Porter has just been too good of a fighter in 147. You know, like, even when he loses, it's a competitive loss. So it's not like I've seen anybody just run through him, you know. So if if anything, um, it, it just it just it just proves how good Porter is. It, I don't think it discredits Crawford in any way, you know, like. Now, if Crawford lost, then I'd be like, oh, man. But if he beats him, even though it was a close fight, I think he's going to get the respect nonetheless because everyone knows the skill sets that Porter provides in the ring. He's, you know, he's all up on you. He's moving around. He's throwing a lot of punches. This dude, he takes punches. So he makes fights, like, really complicated for for uh, for his opponents. So, yeah, I wouldn't say uh, he's overrated at all if he gets into a close fight with Porter. Never TBE. Now nah, I agree. I feel um if it's a close fight, it depends how how close of a fight it is. If it's like uh, a bar fight where um they're throwing throwing they're exchanging a lot and it's like it's vicious and then where where like it, it just gets us on the edge of our seats. Yeah, it's it's nothing. It's we can't. Um, I don't think we would say Crawford's overrated for that. But like Crawford gets beat or he loses supporter in a fashion where it's like. You got you lost, bro. You like lost, and this whole time you've been um pulling your shenanigans. Then, then I would say Crawford's overrated. But right now, you know, I'm excited for this fight. Can't wait. I'm. On, I, I have high expectations for this fight, even though the hype is the hype is here. But I got high expectations for this fight. Yeah, I think it depends on your expectations going in. Um, if you're expecting. Crawford to wash Porter or you think this is going to be an easy fight, 
and it ends up being a close fight, then maybe you need to evaluate the way you see Terrence Crawford because maybe you're overrating him. Um, but to say overall that he's overrated, I would say no. Um, history has shown us that everyone has a close fight with Sean Porter. Sean Porter shows up. Sean Porter shows up to win. Sean Porter has a difficult style, and he makes it difficult for everyone. Um, he has a style where a lot of people say it's impossible to look good against, right, <laughs> um, is, is, is how I would describe Sean Porter. So if he's in a close fight with Sean Porter, the important thing is to win, win the fight. Uh, will it prove that he's overrated? To me, no, because I think Sean Porter's elite. I've always said Sean Porter's elite. For me, the way I evaluate fighters is not the fact that fighters lose because I believe that when the best fight the best, someone has to lose. It's just a given. But it's the way you lose, how competitive you were. What did you show in that fight? You can show you are elite in a loss. You can do that, right? And so for me, it, it, it would be more so if he had a close fight with Sean Porter, it would just tell me that Sean Porter is just that good. He's he's just a step below the best. And, and it would be another fight in which Sean Porter just came up a little short, like with Keith Thurman, like with Kel Brook, like with uh, Earl Spence, and then, and then uh, TC can add his name to that list of guys who he who Porter came up short against. But to me, it wouldn't prove that he's overrated. But if you're someone who, like, walks around saying he could beat Sugar Ray Leonard or Sugar Ray Robertson, if you're one of those people saying he could beat Danny Garcia and Sean Porter in the same night, well, if he had a tough fight with uh, Sean Porter and barely pulled that out, then I don't think he could beat Danny and Sean in the same night. So maybe people are going to find out that uh, their expectations of him have been too high. But to me, it wouldn't prove that he's overrated because to me, if you get the dub, you get the dub. The next thing we're going to do on Boxing Bros is give our predictions for the mega fight between Terrence Bud Crawford and Showtime Sean Porter. But before we do that, we like to share a tweet with you and ask that if you have Twitter, you retweet this for us. Um, and here's the tweet. Um, and you can retweet it. It's basically asking... Eddie Hearn and Matchroom Boxing to give us media passes to attend the fight with Demetrius Andrade in New Hampshire and the fight with Teofimo Lopez and George Cambosis in Madison Square Garden. So if you're on Twitter, please retweet. All right. Now, we have a lead predictor. His name is Ned the TBE. This doesn't mean he's in the lead with prediction. This just means that he starts off first because he steals other people's uh, predictions and whatever. So, uh, Ned the TBE, who you got? I got who you got. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you do. If only you knew. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> nah, all seriousness, all seriousness, I got Sean Porter this fight, man. I feel Sean Porter, I feel Crawford hasn't took on the um, competition he needs to take to prepare for this fight. And this guy, he doesn't know what I feel. And I feel that gives Porter their advantage to, um, come out and surprise him. Now, aggressive style is going to frustrate Crawford. And he's going to realize he bit off more than he can chew. And Crawford by um, Porter by decision. 
Quarter by decision. Ned the TBE comes out swinging. Yeah. We got to get order. So we got to turn it. What's the name right now, brother? What's the oh, name? LL Cool G. You, you got to turn over the LL Cool G. Uh-oh. G, you know what LL's face? I don't even want to see it. I don't want G. Don't you start licking your lips around here. Pause. Thanks, All right. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, G, who you got? Oh, I got Crawford. You know what I'm saying? Um, I see what, what Ned's saying, but um, I'm, I'm going to keep 100 with you. Crawford's a, you know, he's a switch hitter. He got power on both hands. I feel like whatever Porter's going to do. Pause. You know what I mean? Whatever, whatever Porter is going to attempt to do in that fight, I think Crawford's going to have an answer for it. You know, so if anything, I'll say Crawford by decision. I don't think he's going to knock out Porter, but he's going to keep him at bay. You know, and so I, I just don't see Porter like I don't see Porter dropping him. To be honest with you, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a good fight though. But I think Crawford just has too many skills to to even fall for the Porter traps and everything. So, and you know, it's gonna be on top rank anyway. So you know, they're gonna favor the home team regardless with the judges. You know, how it does. I am, and if y'all don't believe me, last night Jose Benavidez, baby. So you know. You can get a draw, man, when you're the home team. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, so definitely I got Crawford uh, for this fight. But I, I do believe that Porter's going to have a good showing, you know. All right. Trill, Nostradamus, Dollar Bill. Um, I got um Crawford decision. Um, look, I don't know. I don't want to say that because I can't. It's good pickings. It's good pickings. Good time for 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 Sean. I mean for um for for Crawford. Everything is just been set up. Like if you really think, I I like Crawford, man. I like Crawford, man. I really do. You know, but you know it's been set up for him to win. You know, like I'm not saying I don't know, man. Crawford's going to win by decision. I can't be honest with you guys. I can't give you my opinion. I can't be honest with you guys because everybody takes everything too personal. So when we shut this off, I'm going to tell my brothers how I really feel. But (laughs) Nah, for real. You know what I'm saying? All right, y'all cut it off right now. Cut this off so I can tell y'all. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? to the people, bro. Don't let let the people stop you, bro. It's it's like you can't be real. Like, Like, you really can't be real. Like, this is perfect timing for my man Crawford to get his shine on. You know, this guy got wear and tear on him. He's been in there with everybody. Look at his resume and the way he fights, his style that he fights. We know the history of boxing. You know what I'm saying? He's getting a Sean at a good time. Sean already got the dents and the things that you didn't get. You was fighting all these guys. Hank Lundy guy had a, a serious fight with somebody, uh, uh, with uh, Zapita, and, and Zapita had, who just knocked out um, Vargas, had a tough fight with um, Haney. At what weight? 140. Y'all made fun. Y'all made um um uh, Hank Laney go all the way up in weight. He's been fighting guys that was 140 pounders, 135 pounders, and stuff like that, and and fighting the Gamboas and stuff like that. And we was giving him credit for all this stuff, the mean machines, and not really at 140. I'll give you all that in the world. You know what I'm saying? At 147, you just been fighting blown up 135 pounders. We proved that when we seen like Hank Lane, where Lundy is at. He's at one four. All these guys are supposed to be at these lower weights. They went up and fight him. You know what I'm saying? The guys that's 
been shot up and stuff like that. Like, let's be, let's be real for once. Let's be real for once. I like Terrence Crawford. On some real, on, I really like Terrence Crawford. But let's just be real on who he's fought, and and who is uh, and and who um Sean has fought, and the wear and tear of each people. You fighting one hundred thirty five pound, no real one hundred and forty seven pounder that you fought over there. You ain't got a no real wars, and you're fighting a guy over here that's already been in wars and stuff like that. Yeah, you're gonna have the upper hand, duh. This is box. Everybody knows this. If you've been watching boxing, you know this. We were just talking about Carlos Baltimore. You know what I'm saying? Sean's time is coming. It's only a matter of time that you then take all these shots from these elite level welterweights, opposed to a person that was in there with these 135 pounders and 140 pounders, and was dogging them. And we was giving them credit. We gave them credit for being a dog against these little guys, against guys who was shot up and everything. We gave these guys credit. And we're still going to give them credit against a guy who's already been in there and had wars and stuff. We're going to do that again. And then people are going to be like, oh, well, you're hating, you're hating. We're not hating because I got nothing but love for TC. I'm just keeping it a hundred. I want him to get that. When they go back and look at his 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 career, they're gonna start picking this stuff apart later on. They really are, especially when you guys are saying that he's better than the great Sugar Ray Robinson. Y'all have the nerve. Do you know who Sugar Ray? Ro- I'm not even going to do. It. I was about to go ahead. Y'all, this is disrespectful. The way y'all act is disrespectful. And if it's a problem, somebody speaks their mind against somebody that you don't like, they're hating. Or somebody that you love, they're hating. Well, let me tell you, I'm not hating because I like TC better more than y'all. I know more about TC than y'all do. I've been champing for TC since he was a 135-pound champ. Before he was a 100-pound, 135-pound champ. When he was at 135 pounds, then he went up to 145, I mean 140 pounds to fight Prescott, then went back to 135. I've been a fan of TC. I just know what's in front of me now. I know, I just know what they've been doing now. You've seen Bob get frustrated with him. He's been having the easy touches. Now we're going to put him in there with a Crawford. I mean, we're going to put him in there with a, a Showtime Porter, and then, then we're going to be like, oh, look what he did to him. Not not saying that, not even mentioning the fact of everything that Porter's been through in his career, all the wars and battles. Then y'all going to be like, oh, look what he did to him, not even counteracting the that because y'all are not paying attention to what boxing is. I don't know, man. That's just my rant. But I, 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 I like Terrence Crawford. I really do. I want him to get the respect that he deserves, but I want him to earn it. And I want him to get it the, the right way. Like, like y'all want to put him against the Sugar Rays? Look who the people that Sugar Ray has fought. Y'all want to put him against the, the, the Sugar Ray Robinsons, the greats, the trailblazers? Y'all want to disrespect these guys? Don't disrespect this sport that I love because then now you're going to have a, get a reaction out of me because it's going to make it seem like I don't like Terrence Crawford when I really do. You know what I'm saying? I'm a cool guy, man, but y'all, the way y'all be acting is very disrespectful. Y'all want to come at my brother at a certain way because he's speaking facts. He ain't nobody's disrespecting Terrence Crawford. Nobody ever disrespected him as a man. We're talking about your resume and the people that you have fought opposed to the, the other guys who they have fought. 
Y'all get disrespectful because people are telling the truth and you can't handle the truth. That's all, man. I'm sorry. I don't even get, I don't even get, like, I don't even deserve this. You know what I'm saying? Like, for real, man. Like, like for real. <laughs> this energy, like, for real, because I'm trying to keep it real with y'all, but some of y'all, y'all just, y'all can't, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm sorry. I just got a little aggravated. I need some of these M&Ms, man. But like I was thinking, <laughs> Like I was looking a little bigger than share size, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I just get the bros. That's bro size. Yeah, it is. I'm about yeah. to pass these to y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I just know, Oh, if you go ahead, go ahead. You yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done, bro. I'm no, sorry. No, go ahead. No, I keep keep going. Go ahead, bro. I just get I just get frustrated, bro. I look in the kind of say, are they are they going off of just pure like emotions or whatever? Because right now I am getting emotional because I get mad, I get frustrated because people can't see the real. You can't see the real. People can't tell. Like you know what I'm saying? Like, when you're showing somebody love, but you just want to keep it a hundred. You want to keep it a buck with them. You know what I'm saying? I don't agree with everything that, you know what I'm saying, somebody do. I can't keep it a buck. If I don't agree, I can't. I'm fake now or I'm hating because I'm not agreeing with, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's crazy. You can't give your opinion. You can't be truthful no more. You be, Are you hating? What's up, TV? I see you charming in. Uh, I just want to know, uh, restate your pick again. Pardon me? Respect, restate your pick. Who you got for I the pick? It's Terrence Crawford. I got Terrence Crawford winning the decision. All uh, right. That wasn't even paying attention. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was listening. I was listening. I just like you know the rant went on. I just wanted him to restate it. Thank you. Now you know who I'm picking, Terrence Crawford. You know what I'm saying by decision. But I respect everything that you said, TB, by picking. You know what I'm saying, um, Sean Porter, because Sean Porter's a dog. But we already know Sean Porter's done been through so many wars, and everybody's gonna be like, "Oh, he got the best." That's what. That's what. They- <laughs> you know how they gonna you know how they gonna do it. Oh right, say that again, G. Now nah, saying that uh what you call it. I'm shocked you actually picked Porter. But yeah, man, I'm going with Porter, yeah. I'm going with Porter, yeah. There's no doubt. Now I'm just I'm just frustrated that you can't even keep it real. You know what I'm saying? Without people saying that you hate him. And they don't even know that you got more love for that fighter than they do. <laughs> All right, so a few things. One what you're talking about, Trill, if people people can say whatever they want, you're pointing out an objective fact, which, like you said, we were just discussing. John Fury wants Tyson Fury to retire because he's talking about how your punch resistance fades when you take big shots, when you continuously take big shots. And it's no secret that Showtime Sean Porter has been in a ring with everyone in the welterweight division which has even been cited by Terrence Crawford himself, so you can't deny it. It's irrelevant to say why TC hasn't been in a ring with the best fighters in the world, although you are not qualified to say why TC hasn't been in the ring with the best fighters in the world because you don't read his contracts, you don't sit in negotiation rooms, and you really don't know. So everything you say is purely speculative. What is a fact, however, is he hasn't fought elite-level competition. And Sean Porter has. Fact. So when you fight elite level competition, as we've always said, when the best fight the best, someone must lose. When Sean Porter fights Kell Brook in his prime, when Kell Brook was actually champ, when Kell Brook was actually Kell Brook, the Kell Brook who moved up to 160 pounds and gave uh, Triple G 
all he can handle before he took a beating. And then immediately after that, went and fought Earl Spence and took another beating back to back. But that Kell Brook is the one who beat Sean Porter in a close fight. Understand that, in a close fight. So when you see that, you have to give Sean Porter his credit. He lost, but he lost to an elite guy. When you see Sean Porter lose to Keith one-time Thurman, that was before he was once upon a time Thurman. That was Keith one-time Thurman who beat Sean Porter, not Keith once upon a time Thurman. The Thurman who got satisfied, the Thurman who got civilized, the Thurman who it's hard to run in silk pajamas Thurman. Wasn't that guy. Wasn't the guy running away from uh, the Riverside Rocky Jose Cito Lopez for survival. It was the guy who was throwing them things with Danny Garcia, the guy who was throwing them things with everyone. So, again, he lost a close fight to Keith once upon a time Thurman. Okay, but he was still in it. Then he lost to Earl Spence. Say what you want about Earl, but Earl has victories over other elite opponents. This is the same Earl Spence that was in a car accident that nearly claimed his life. And in his comeback fight, he fights Danny Garcia, a guy who would have been the best fighter on Terrence Crawford's resume. His first fight after nearly losing his life in a car crash. The guy who gave. Um, Sean Porter, if you look at his face, a hematoma on the side of his face, but hitting him with clean. And the guy who landed 42% of his power punches against uh, Sean Porter. And Mm -hmm. even if you look at the video, the ref thought Danny won. A lot of people thought I thought Danny won the fight myself, but but that's but that's not what we're getting into. But just let me take a, a brief moment to stop and just say to you, everything I'm saying to you is a fact. I didn't make up one thing yet. This isn't speculation. This isn't, oh, and if TC would have won, which y'all like to do, if TC would have done that, speculative, fantasy, never happened. Y'all like to y'all like to give credit for fights he never won. You like to talk about what would happen if he would have done something and it never happened. But we're talking about what actually happened when Sean Porter actually stepped into the ring with these killers. Even, even victories, not just his losses, even his victories. He was in there with dogs. Sean Porter was in there with Udenis Ugas, was in there with Danny Garcia, was in there with Earl Spence, was in there with Kel Brook, was in there with Keith Thurman. Was in I, We could keep going. He was in there with the best, while TC was in there with Gamboa. All right, now, let me get on that. So Trill already broke, up, broke down how Hank Lundy moved up in weight to fight Terrence Crawford. So did Gamboa. But watch the fight with Gamboa because I did. Because when it came time to make these predictions, I'm like, all right, let me go back and watch TC. Did you know that Gamboa was beating Terrence Crawford at the at, at the time of the stoppage? T- Gam- Gamboa was actually beating TC. Did you not know that? Well, go ahead and watch that fight. Let's talk about the other fight with Jose Benavidez. Did you know <laughs> Jose Benavidez got shot? And then after Jose Benavidez got shot, they threw him in with a tomato can. They threw him in with an easy touch, a guy who had a light buildup resume so that he can win that fight, right? He wins that fight. And then they bring uh, Jose Benavidez to Terrence Crawford. And then Terrence Crawford does what he did to Jose Benavidez. 
and Jose Benavides was still tough for him. After he beats Jose Benavides, Jose Benavides retires. Jose Benavides had a fight scheduled. He was supposed to he was supposed to fight out this fight with Terence Crawford, but he wasn't even in the physical condition to even take that fight. So he retired and he went on a hiatus until last night. Oh, yeah. And Jose Benavides is so good that last night he fought a dude that no one ever heard of and drawed with him and drawed with him. <laughs> a draw. That's how good the guy who gave Terrence Crawford his toughest fight is. Okay, so let's move on. Calvalosquez fought Terrence Bud Crawford, your great, your great warrior, Terrence Bud Crawford, after drawing with Ray Robinson. Yeah, look it up. See what I'm telling you is facts. These are all facts. He fought Ray Robinson. Got a draw with Ray Robertson, and they still let him fight TC next. So TC is so good, he's fighting dudes off of a draw. He fights Cavalosquez off of a draw, gets in the ring, and Cavalosquez knocks him down. Knocks him down. But his network covers it up for him. The people cover it up for him. But watch it again. Mm-hmm. He's fighting a guy who drawed with a guy who isn't even that great, and then he goes in the ring and he knocks TC down. And TC eventually wins the fight. But let's talk about what Cavalosis has done since then. Got knocked out by uh, Virgil Ortiz. How good is he? Y'all told me he was so great. Virgil, the younger kid, did it faster and better than TC did. You want to tell me that Virgil got hurt? Yeah, and so did TC except Virgil's younger and took on the tougher task sooner at a younger age, like 10 years before Crawford did it and did it faster. Okay. Now you want to talk about Kell Brook. Y'all are funny. Cause when Earl Spence beat Kell Brook immediately after he fought triple G y'all said, Oh, he's fighting the leftovers. Triple G already put damage on uh, Kell Brook. So let me get this straight. You're willing to acknowledge that a fire can take damage in their prior fight that would impact uh, impact their performance in their previous fight, right? That's what y'all say, because you talk about how when um, Earl Spence fought Kell Brook, he was so damaged for the fight before that he wasn't at his best when Earl Spence got him. So you're willing to admit that then. So let's talk about Sean Porter and all the damage he's took in his previous fights. Did you really think he's going to be the Showtime Sean Porter that w- that he was in 2015? But y'all really think Kell Brook was that guy, right? So if when Ke- if if when Earl Spence beat Kell Brook, he was damaged goods because of his fight with Triple G. So how is it after a fight with Triple G and a fight with Earl Spence in which he broke a completely different orbital bone somehow after a hiatus and draining himself to make weight to a weight he hadn't fought in in two years? Was he better, a better version for himself for TC? I'm just asking, how is that true? See, this is why people who are objective get frustrated with you because you start saying crazy stuff. You start sounding like the guy who claims that he dated the queen. Y'all know I always say that, but that's a real dude. That's my man, Polygamous P from the basketball course. This OG, he swear he dated everyone. But 
Anyways, getting back to the point. How is that possible? You say he's better than Ray Robertson. That's automatically going to piss me off. You start saying he's so good. He can beat these two guys in one night. He ain't fighting nobody. Starts to piss me off. I know all these flaws with his prior opponents. It starts to piss me off. So when it came time to pick this fight, I could go safe. The safe thing would be to say TC is going to win. But I don't think he will. I don't think he will. I cannot I cannot honestly sit here and lie to you. I think TC is going to get beat. He's never seen the pressure that Sean Porter is going to put on him. It's going to be relentless in his face. TC likes to dictate pace. He likes to determine a pace. He's not going to be able to do that. TC gets caught in exchanges and gets hurt like he did with Cavaloskis. Camboa was catching him. But when Sean Porter catches him, this is going to be the first time he's getting caught by a dude who wasn't moving up and wait or draining himself to move down and wait. I think that you guys are going to finally see the difference between nitpicking guys who were shot, like literally shot. Like I'm not making up like a shot fighter. He really fought a shot fighter. Like no, he didn't fight a shot fighter. He literally fought a shot fighter. You're going to see the difference between fighting guys who are shot and guys who are contenders. You're going to see why experience matters. Because believe it or not, you can say TC's the A side, but the guy going in there with the experience fighting in the big fights is Showtime Sean Porter. So now you're asking TC, the older fighter, because, see, y'all try to make it up like TC wasn't the older fighter, but then, see, I had looked it up myself, see, TC really the older fighter. The older fighter's taking his step-up fight for the first time. And we're going to see what he does. But, Ned, you're right. We are picking the same guy. Except, no, do I think he'll stop him? Do I think he'll? I think he's going to beat TC up pretty bad. I think Sean Porter's going to beat TC up pretty bad. And I think we're going to see some sad faces. And I look forward to seeing y'all on November 21st. If I'm wrong, I should be, right? Because he's that great. He's better than Sugar Ray Robinson. He's all that. It should be whatever. (laughs) If I'm right. That pissed me off. If I'm right, just come back and fall in line. Like all the other people who are wrong. Mm-hmm. The next topic we're going to discuss on Boxing Bros is Teddy Atlas reports that Terrence Crawford is leaving top rank. Uh, but before we dive into that, I'm going to share a tweet. I have a feeling a certain group of fans won't re- retweet this. But uh, if you uh, get a chance, please retweet this tweet. Um, you can send your own tweet. Um, it looks like we got 13 retweets and seven quotes. So salute to everyone. 16 likes. The thing that's amazing about that is we haven't even put these videos up yet and people are already doing this. So salute to all of you. Thank you. All right. So now let's hear what Teddy Atlas had to say. Um, yeah. He's leaving top right. That, that you can take to the bank. I've just been informed of that where this will be Crawford's last fight with top rank and Bob Arrow. That, that could mean Spence and Crawford it's gonna mean, coming up. It could mean it. That's right. Good news. And and it will mean a lawsuit. It will mean uh, the the fighting these guys that fight not as bravely as 
the great gladiators do in the ring, not nearly as bravely, but that go and do their fighting in a courtroom. They will be in a courtroom uh, fighting, and at the end of the day, the side that really feels and knows, as far as what they know to be, that they're on the winning side of that fight, and that would be Crawford's side. Yeah. That they- All right, so... This is the fight with Teddy Atlas. You can subscribe, you know, as you see, I'm about to subscribe right now. So this is the fight with Teddy Atlas. Um, this video belongs to them. So I'm gonna turn it over to you, um, Trill Dollar Bill. What's your reaction to uh, Teddy Atlas reporting that Terrence Crawford is leaving Top Rank? <laughs> I believe it when I see it. Um, I suggested this before. And the brother resigned. So I don't know what's on TC's mind. You know, so uh I believe it when I see it. You know, uh Bob might have an old video of TC doing something unflattering or something. TC might <laughs> TC might, might resign. So I believe it when I see it. I definitely believe it when I see it. Trill talking about your Bob Airs pulling uh, Gucci man's out here. <laughs> My brother's compromising positions. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, do you really want to leave TC? Do you really <laughs> uh, pull up be ashamed if uh, some things be TC. <laughs> be ashamed. <laughs> All right, uh, Conspiracy. Hold on, brother. It's not Conspiracy G today. Jordan G, you know Jordan G. Uh oh. Every time I close my eyes. <laughs> so, um, you know what I mean? But anyways, um, yeah, honestly, I figured he was gonna leave anyways, because I remember when it was TC and Bob at one of those fights, and TC said he wants to do one thing, Bob's telling he's gonna do another. And I was just like, this don't look right, you know. So that told me right there. There's something going on with that dynamic. So I felt like TC was going to leave regardless, right? Like, like Trill, <laughs> thought he was going to leave before, and he stuck around. But the fact that uh, Teddy's like, hey, take it to the bank, or to the bank, whatever. I'm like, all right, maybe he's finally, you know, he got the gahunas to be like, yo, I need to get this uh, undisputed popping. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, so I think I, I, it makes sense, to be honest. TC should have left a while ago, you know, Um Hope you know I mean, he doesn't even have to sign with PBC. He can just stay like an independent fighter, or whatever. Kind of like how Michael Garcia does it with the zone and stuff. You know what I mean? Because they really just want him for that one fight. So you know, uh, I I'm like, oh, why not? But the thing that was uh, that kind of put an alarm to the situation was Teddy was talking about lawsuits, and I'm just like, could Bob and Top Rank sue TC for leaving, even though his contract is up? You know, and so what would be their justification for suing him? You know, and and to me, he's leaving on a good note because I'm pretty sure this Sean Porter TC pay per view fight will be, you know, it'll be good. You know, I, I believe that Bob's going to make a profit off of that fight. You know, I don't know if this pay per view will make up for all of the the past pay per views that he took a hell on with TC, but hopefully he can at least break even and be like, you know what. The hell with you, part your, you know, part ways and wipe his hands clean the TC. I don't know, but I, I'm just curious about the the lawsuit or a potential lawsuit. 
Um, because I, I, me personally, I don't know the ins and outs of their agreements that they had in the past, but it seems unfair to sue TC for you know leaving when he's been with you for so long and you haven't been giving him you know the real big fights. So, yeah, man, it is what it is. T B E. Uh, Terrence Crawford leaving top rank. Who didn't see this coming? I mean, like who? I mean, Stevie Wonder saw it, and we all know Stevie's. (laughs) 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 Nah, but I'm serious. This is the problem when Ned is trying to be funny. It's not funny. Ned, just freestyle your goofball. You'll make us all laugh. But once you start thinking too deep, it's like, oh, bro. All right, listen, listen, listen. No, I never, um, I never heard that one before. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, you know, off the top, you know, straight from the dome. But, nah, uh, Terrence Crawford leaving in top rank. Like, we all saw it coming. Like, come on. On Sunday, on Saturday, him and Bob were best friends. On Monday, they were the worst enemies. It ain't been the same same since. Uh, only way I could see a lawsuit is that Bob was fronting TC a lot of money that he 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 that he thought he would come um um get a return on and he didn't get his return and that's the only way I could see him suing TC for is like the money he did not get back that he fronted TC in the in any negotiations they made but after that who TC TC been done with um top ranks. I'm just telling you that now. We all know. We all started coming. We saw the tweets. Bob Bob hates this man. TC probably hates Bob. It's a bad marriage. It's a marriage that needs to end. And, you know, it's about time. You know, we was we knew the news was coming, and now the news is broken. It is what it is. <laughs> Bob hates this man. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Trill, it's interesting you say that because that brings me to a point. G, you said that. I know that if it's a close fight, Terrence Crawford's going to win because top rank and how top rank moves. But I don't necessarily know that top rank yeah, wants to win. With this now. Um, so that's one. Yeah. I honestly think this, and I'm being real, like True said this. I'm just going to be real because that's all I know how to be. I don't really care what you think of me. Um, you know, I, I just tell the truth of what I believe. And I believe that. Bob Arum protected TC. I believe that Bob Arum took losses to make TC a star. Um, like putting him on pay-per-view and pay- overpaying him to fight opponents like Gamboa, signing a contract in which he knew he was going to take a loss. But I believe his goal was to always make a return on that investment with a huge fight with Crawford against someone like Earl Spence or Manny Pacquiao. And I think when it came time for him to make that return on his investment, there were, like you said, G, there was miscommunication because Bob Arum saying, you're going to fight Earl Spence, and he's saying, I want Pacquiao. And, and which led to Earl actually about to be fighting Pacquiao, but then that didn't transpire because Earl Spence got injured. And now you have uh, your Dennis Ugas in the mix. But the bottom line is, um, I think it was always Bob investing in TC so that he can reap the benefits later. But, you know, because you know how it is. You take a loss sometimes, but there's the, the end goal is you're going to end up, you know, 
you know, you lose some, you win some, long as the outcome is income, quote Drake. You know what I'm saying? So like you you you're doing this in the end to you know make a profit overall when all is said and done. But that wasn't happening. And then TC had his lawyer send Bob Arum, uh, you know, and went public with their beef about how he hasn't fought a marquee opponent and he's not happy with top rank. And that's when Bob started spitting. Yo, I could have built a house in Beverly Hills with the money that I've lost on TC. And he did lose a lot of money on TC. And so this is where I feel like, and I'm going to be real with you, Bob Arum isn't going to do TC any favors. Because it is uncertain. There is uncertainty as to whether or not he would resign with top rank. But when the WBO ordered Porter and Crawford, when the WBO ordered it, Bob paid for it because he didn't want it to go to a purse bid. So, like, trying to make it seem like Bob paid for it because of his stern belief in TC and, like, they always wanted to fight, that's nonsense. Bob Arum lost Teofimo Lopez to Trilla and then eventually to the zone. So he knew it wasn't wise to let that fight go to a purse bid. And TC and Sean Porter were more than willing to let it go to a purse bid because it was going to be a 60-40 split, unlike the traditional 80-20 split when it goes to a purse bid. Because, believe it or not, Sean Porter actually made too much money for TC to get an 80-20 split. Despite y'all telling me that TC makes so much more money than Sean Porter, wrong. Uh, The fact of the matter is Sean Porter actually made so much money that the champion normally gets an 80-20 split in their favor when fights go to purse bids. You can look it up yourself. I'm done doing everything for you because you don't appreciate it anyway. The WBO said, oh, no, it would be robbery to ask Sean Porter to take 20%. He makes too much money. They reviewed how much TC made in his last few fights, and they reviewed how much Sean Porter made. And the only reason TC got the edge is because he was a champion. So all the stuff you're saying about how much TC makes, again, speculation, things you don't know about. You don't sit in that, you don't sit in that room. What was reported from the horse's mouth, who does know, Bob Arum, he's been taking losses on TC. And he's done with the business of losing money on Terrence Crawford. Fact, I didn't make it up. Bob Arum said it himself. <laughs> so now he buys the fight with Sean Porter. Why? Because it's going to make a profit. He knows it's going to make a profit. He believes it's going to make a profit. But I also believe he knows this. This is going to be TC's first loss. And he's going to send TC out. When TC loses to Sean Porter, he's going to say, Good riddance. Go ahead and be the man now. And so I believe that Bob Arum is going to be sitting in that seat, secretly rooting for Sean Porter to stop Terrence Crawford in the first round. That's what I believe. <laughs> Let us know how you feel in the comment section. Please like and subscribe and check us out on Instagram and Twitter. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Sorry, sorry, bro, real quick, because it's, I saw GFA. You think you you if you're if you're Bob Arum, would you really want Terrence Crawford to win? Oh no, I agree with you. But <laughs> I'll say this: I don't think it's gonna be secretly. I think it's gonna be outwardly. I'm just saying, it's gonna be Yo, bro. You you went bad. The whole purpose of having a promotional company is to protect you. To have one in a clip, basically, right? Yeah. To have a to have a team. 
So now you're, you're fighting a PBC fighter, and it's in their best interest for Sean Porter to win. And Bob Arum's like, fuck him. Oh, excuse me. But. <laughs> yeah, nah, I feel you. So I guess now my prediction is going to be TC by knockout because it ain't going to be by decision. You know? <laughs> better not let it go to the judge because that is partially why I picked Sean Porter. <laughs> The next topic we're going to discuss on Boxing Bros is the GOAT. The best heavyweight in the game is back. Chris Lovejoy, and he's calling out Babic the Savage. But before we dive into that, I'm going to share uh, my screen in a tweet. And basically, uh, oh, actually, I just shared the tweet. You know what? I shared the other tweet. Uh, <laughs> You did it this enough. is Chris Lovejoy's tweet. We'll go. We'll dive right into Chris Lovejoy. Let's just get into it. Chris Lovejoy says, "We gotta make that fight. I'll stop Babich one hundred percent." So you already know who Babich the Savage is. He's kind of hot. He had a great knockout on the card that Dillian White was supposed to fight on, and my man Chris Lovejoy was robbed, not given a fair shake in Germany, and he fought. Uh, Manuel Char, and I do think that they they gave him some bad water and a bunch of other things. We're not going to make excuses for what happened to Lovejoy, although nobody checked Emmanuel Manuel Char's gloves like they should have. I'm just saying, Chris suffered one defeat in his career, but even the greats fall, even the best fall down sometimes. So, um, Kaspir G. Chris Lovejoy calls out Babbage the Savage. Do you think that Eddie Hearn should make that fight? Yeah, you keep messing up my name, brother. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The chocolate, I'll be sure. Be sure, baby. You know what I'm saying? But anyways, now, in regards to this, I'm even shocked this is actually a topic. Lovejoy be trolling, man. Like, come on, man. Babbage's going to break his face. This is what's going to happen. If Eddie makes this fight, Babbage is going to be eating sloppy chili fries that night because <laughs> he's a sloppy fighter. He's not good. He's not entertaining. He's more entertaining on social media than he is in the ring. He's going to get violated, you know? And so if Lovejoy wants that, that'd be his last fight. I promise you that. He's going to get hurt. Lovejoy, man, do yourself a solid. Stay on social media. Don't don't get back in that ring, and don't get back in that ring with nobody like a savage. And, and I'm not even saying like savage like elite level, but he will el eliminate that ass. You know what I'm saying? Part of my French. All right. Trill Doll Bill. I totally, absolutely disagree with my co-host G. You know why I disagree? Because Chris Lovejoy, we're talking about the number one pound for pound heavyweight champion Contender in his head. <laughs> <laughs> Just when I thought Trill was coming to the light. I was like, right. <laughs> nah, this is going to be bad. Hey, um, <laughs> Chris, leave him alone, Chris. Chris, leave him alone. Chris, hey, Chris feels hey, he took it, believe it. <laughs> I don't think Chris even take a body shot from Babbage, bro. Man, listen. Chris, man. Hey. 
Like you said, he's the most entertaining heavyweight on Twitter. <laughs> all right, so all right, let's let's do this. Let's do this. Uh, Chris Lovejoy is looking for help picking a nickname. <laughs> uh, and he and he has some names, and we'll, we'll see. So, G, since you've gone, help Chris pick a nickname. I'll come up with your own. So he has UK Assassin, Bulldozer, Romford, Wrecking Ball, Co. King of England, London Loverboy. <laughs> Love for yeah, London Loverboy. Oh, that was cute. That was cute. But I got a name more like Chris. Uh, let me see what his name is. Uh, Lovejoy. Uh, I'll be like Chris Sloppy Joe Lovejoy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what you say, G? You said Whale of Wales. Watch your mouth, G. <laughs> Watch your mouth, G. <laughs> That's a good one, too. I call him CDLJ. Crash <laughs> Dummy Lovejoy. <laughs> oh, yo, y'all are disrespectful. Man, you got a name for him? I got CLJ, Certified Lovejoy. Let's go. <laughs> oh, man, yo, no. All right, TBE, man. Lovejoy calls out Babbage the Savage. What do you think? Hey, man, Babbage, you better go hide, man, because Lovejoy coming. Like, 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 like Caden said, yo, they didn't check his gloves. If they, they didn't check Charles' gloves, if they were loaded, they didn't even, you, yo, yo, Chris, let's make it clear. No more barroom fights, yo. You got to fight in arenas, yo. You're high. You, you want to be elite? You got to fight like the elite, man. Don't let them suck you into these, these backdoor deals where you're fighting in Target and Walmart. You need, you need an arena. You didn't, didn't check the air quality. They didn't check the water. They check whatever you just signed there and you went in there and you, you got sucker. They played you, but I believe you'll beat Babbage and you'll get Char in the second fight. It's CL, CLJ, certified love joy, you know, and, and he's the GOAT. Say no more. Look, man, y'all are being real disrespectful to my man Chris Lovejoy. I don't appreciate it. For me, who is Babbage for? Babbage ain't fighting nobody. What is Babbage proving? That Lovejoy hasn't proven. Twenty and one, twenty knockouts. What has Lovejoy done? I mean, what I mean, what has a Babbage done? Lovejoy has been taking on stiff competition. He's he's taken over Tijuana, Mexico, and now he's trying to take over London. Now he's trying to take over the UK. He's the Emperor of England. You know what I'm saying? That's that's what my man Lovejoy is, the emperor of England, and he's and he's going to go there and he's going to destroy Babbage. Babbage hasn't been prepared for anyone like Chris Lovejoy. He's never seen a 300-pounder that can box. Never. He's never been in a ring with a 300-pounder that can box. I'm telling you this right now. I know everybody's like, oh, Babbage, oh, Babbage, but I've seen flaws in Babbage's game. And there's no better fighter who can pick it apart then Lovejoy. Lovejoy's been getting top quality sparring. You can look this up. Lovejoy was sparring with Big Baby Miller. Lovejoy was sparring with Big Baby Miller. So you have the two best boxers in the world, over 300 pounds, sparring with each other. Okay? And, and iron sharpens iron. And y'all sitting around here laughing. But Babbage the Savage, that name would change if he stepped in the ring with uh, Chris the emperor of England, Lovejoy. It would be Babbage the average. You know what I'm saying? If you step in the ring with Lovejoy, straight like that. 
the last topic we're going to discuss on Boxing Bros is Alicia Baumgartner becomes champion after stopping Terry Hopper in impressive fashion to win her first title. Uh, but before we dive into that, we're going to show you a tweet. And here it is. Please reshare this tweet. This is from the Boxing Bros asking Eddie Hearn to give us media passes to the Demetrius Andrade fight in New Hampshire and the Teofimo Lopez fight at Madison Square Garden. So please retweet that. As you can see, we haven't even posted these videos yet, and it's already been retweeted 15 times, quoted seven times, and we got 17 likes. So like it, share it, retweet it. Thank you. Um, So now... We're going to uh, discuss Alicia Bumgarner and her stoppage of Terry Hopper. Uh, let's take a look. If you haven't seen it, it's probably one of the best stoppages in women's boxing that I've seen in a while. So uh, mm-hmm. let's take a look. Mm-hmm. Here it is right here. But it's still be around the waist of Harper. Time for a right hand. I'm not standing up, son. All right, so uh, Ned the TBE, you have uh, Clarissa. We've taken a vote, you can't have Bumgarner. However, um, how did you uh, which what are your thoughts on that? What was your thoughts on that knockout? Yeah, that was was a crazy knockout, like that was a bit amazing. That, like, the punch happened, the punch led it, and she just like froze. Like, like I don't know. It was just, it was just, it was just. Uh, I could all I could compare this to dial up, you know, or uh, uh, download. <laughs> like, she was, she was like, hit. Her, her, her mind just like went somewhere else. Oh, what I could compare it to the scene in um, in uh, what is it, Doctor Strange, when his soul got sent out his body. You he know, projected. Actual projected. She actually projected right there, and she just realized she just got not her soul knocked out of her body. And then, like that's how the fight was over. And the rep, she came. Um, she didn't go down. And um, Bob Gardner come back for for more. And the ref was like, "Nah, she's gone. She, her, she. We gotta get. We gotta go. We gotta get like um, we gotta get. It, 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 this is over with. Like, but that was a vicious knockout. That was an impressive knockout. That was perfect knockout of the year. Like, I like. I, I like seeing when. You have to witness like what knockouts do somebody. Some people go straight to sleep, and some people just take time for them to hit the floor. It's like it's just like they're gone, but they slowly like you got. It, it's just it was just amazing. I, I can't. Even, it's it's just so much. Yeah. Pretty that was pretty. Shout out to uh, Alicia. All right, conspiracy G. Yeah, man, she definitely lived up to her her uh, her nickname, the bomb. Like she violated Harper, man. Like it was bad. And salute to that ref. Because the ref seen it first before um, Alicia could see it, because you know she was at an angle where like homegirl just like was like gone standing up and she was creeping up from behind. The ref seen it. Ref was like, "Yo, it's done. It's done. She's gone cold." You know, so I don't think I've ever seen a guy get knocked out standing. You know, so this is definitely gonna go in the history books as a a, a real awkward knockout. You know, so uh, salute to her. And another thing too about what I liked about that fight and. And this is no shade to women's boxing. But one thing I, I don't necessarily like about women's boxing is, you know, the we only have two minutes. So when forget boxing skills, just I'm throwing a thousand punches. Hopefully something lands and I run the round. 
this on both ends, they were actually really boxing, which I thought was uh, pretty entertaining. I, I didn't like the commentators. I felt like they were so they were obviously they were leaning towards Harper, who was the the home team. But I felt like Alicia was doing like great every round, but they were more concerned about how Harper was looking. So I was like, ah, this is kind of biased. But then again, it could just be me because I'm an American. So you know, salute to uh, salute to uh, Bumgarner for bringing home the, the the title, you know. Um, and surprisingly, she was actually the, my second female boxer that I actually followed on Twitter. So it's good to see the people that you support actually doing good in the sport, man. So we'll keep doing that thing. And um, Harper, you'll be all right, you know. Um, yeah. Trill Dollar Bill. Shout out to women's boxing. Shout out to 130 pounds. Uh, that was lit. You got Michaela Mayer. You got uh, her. That I will, man, listen, women's boxing on the map. This was the best stand-up knockout that I've seen in a long time. I think the last one we seen was Daniel Jacobs and Kid Chocolate Quillen when he stopped him standing up. Um, I love boxing. This is this is unbelievable, man. This is good to see. Uh, shout out to the young lady, man. Um, now let's just see if they can, you know, get an undisputed at 130. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure maybe Eddie's gonna try to get a uh a, a rematch in there, but I just this 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 young lady's time, she was just very confident, like the way in and everything. She just knew that this was her time. And even in the fight, you just tell her confidence was on a it was just on a different level, you know. She was just focused, you know. Um so shout out to the young lady, man. If they do it again, fine. But I don't think they should revisit this. You know what I'm saying? I don't think they should revisit this. This girl, she's she's on on, on a good path. And I think uh Michaela Mayer and her would make a good, good fight. I think that would be a great, great fight and be great for women's boxing. Shout out to the 130-pound division. Yeah, Michaela Mayer already called her out, called out Alicia Bumgarner. So um Calm down, Michaela. Just relax a little bit. Not already called out. I think uh, I think you're onto something. I think in terms of promotion, mm-hmm. that fight can be promoted very well. Yeah, they do it right. If they do it yeah. right, yeah. I mean, you have like two uh, women's boxers who you can put out there, look like models, and and mm-hmm. whatever. It can definitely they can and blow they that talk. up, and they talk that talk. Yeah, and they back it up in the yeah, ring too. They both have they're talented. So mm-hmm. you talk about like a huge fight if if it's promoted right. Um, especially after this knockout. Um, first I want to start by saying match room. You need a matchmaker. You need matchmakers, man. We here because y'all are doing a terrible job. There's no way you can tell me you wanted that card to go the way it went in Shetsfield. Every time I call out Matchroom boxing's um matchmakers, people say, Oh, Eddie won anyway, because blah blah. There's no way he won that. If you paid tickets to see that show, and I believe they were in Shepsville, you left you left sad. So there's no way you can tell me Eddie wanted to produce that product. You can't tell me he wanted to see Terry Hopper get knocked out on her feet the way that he did. What was the name? The kid. The kid. I don't know. All I know is the kid. The kid was on the floor. That's you can't tell me he wanted to see that. You can't tell me you want to see that. All right. So uh, speaking strictly on Alicia Baumgartner, um, 
She did it for a team. She did it for herself. She did it for a coach who passed away, who's also um, Tony Harrison's dad. And you saw uh, Tony Harrison uh, in the corner cheering her on. She had a great team and she works hard. Like when you see um, Tony Harrison training, like even when they do like the, you know, all access 24 seven, whatever on him, you see her running with him. You see her training. She's always been there. She's been dedicated. She works hard. Um, I follow her on social media as well. And you see her putting in work in the gym. You see her sparring dudes. Um, like she goes hard. So she, so she trains, you know, really hard. And to see that knockout, I wasn't really surprised. I was surprised at the fact that they picked her, that they picked Alicia Bumgarner to fight Terry Harper. I'm like, I really wonder, does Eddie Hearn's team actually look at the fighters they pick? <laughs> we were just talking about this. Like Ned said that Andy Ruiz said that he got the fight with Anthony Joshua because he DM'd Eddie Hearn. And they, and they picked him. Did you watch him fight? Did you see the Dermatrenko fight? Did you did you know about his history? Did you know anything about him? You just picked him. Like, did you know about Alicia Bumgarner? And if you did, why'd you pick her for that fight? The showcase fight. It just to me, um, you know, unless Alicia Bumgarner's with Matchroom, and then in which case, at least you have another good champion. But speaking on that knockout, she beat the fight out of Terry Hopper. She beat the fight out of Terry Hopper. As soon as she landed that punch, Terry Hopper stopped in her tracks and immediately became docile. She was like this. Like, I'm not joking. Like, watch it. If you haven't seen it, like, watch an extended clip. She got hit with that punch and then immediately shifted into, like, an obedient, docile human being. She was just like. <laughs> she was in the corner. They were talking to her. She was like. She was just, like, she transformed into, like, a mild manner, perfectly uh, mannered. He was like, he just, it was just, I'm like, what happened? It was like. All fight in Terry Hopper was gone after that punch land. She beat the fight out of her. So, um, you know, it was an amazing performance by Alicia Bumgarner. I, I, like I said, I've been following her on social media. She became champion. I think that she's an exciting fighter. With that knockout, the trash talk between Michaela Mayer, uh, you know, the fact that both of them, you know, uh, are, are attractive and you can put them on like a billboard and you can sell that fight. It, it, it can blow up, um, you know, women's boxing it can be a huge fight for women's boxing. So we'll see what happens. But pay these women. what'd you say, bro? I said, pay these women. This is, can be the fight. This could be the fight though. Carisha and, and, and Marshall on the same card. This can e explode. Stop cheating. These women, they are coming out here and they're, Man, I've been on one today. I'm sorry. I've been on one today. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I've been, I don't know. I'm, I've been on one. I'm about to say I don't. I, I think you should get paid what you generate. Exactly. So yeah, I don't I know. Feel, no, no. I just feel like these women been giving us exciting fights, man. Exciting fights, and they're going out there and they're being warriors. I think if they could put up together a good card, like my bro was saying, this can explode. This can explode women's boxing if y'all do it right. You know what I'm saying? Y'all, y'all really got something here. No, you're right, and I think that that, that you're on to something. You put uh, Michaela Mayer and uh, Alicia Bumgarner on, on on the same car with Carissa Shields and Savannah Marshall, and you also put Katie Taylor mm -hmm. and Amanda Serrano. What? 
on that on that card? Bro, come on. Hey, listen, here's what we're asking for. You heard it here on the Boxing Bros first. Eddie, Eddie, because since your matchmakers are terrible, we're going to make it for you. We want the all-women's card, okay? And we want Clarissa Shields versus Savannah Marshall. We want Alicia Bumgarner versus uh, Michaela Mayer. And we want Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano. Mm -hmm. Make it happen. Eddie. And that, and, and I just also wanted to read this real quick. Dear at Eddie Hearn and Matchroom Boxing, the Boxing Bros would like to request media passes to the at Boo Boo Andre fight in New Hampshire and the Telefimo Lopez fight in Madison Square Garden. Please contact me when your response to our request. Thank you from the Boxing Bros. All I wanted to say is please like and subscribe. Thank you for rocking with us and check us out on Instagram and Twitter. And please check <laughs> us out on all major streaming services. I am the commissioner, Troy Dollar Bill. That's the Prince of Prugilism. That's the TVE. And that's Morris Genus. <laughs> <laughs> You know who we are. We're the Boxer Bros. We appreciate y'all so much, man. Please, please, please um, send that retweet out. We appreciate you. <laughs>